When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing all right. <clears throat> uh, I, I'm just remarking to myself that it takes two attempts to, uh, for whatever reason, I always click on the link the first time wrong every time. I gotta go. <laughs> so, that was it. so yeah. Okay. Oh, let me do this. Let me do this opening real quick. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Pro Wrestling Smoke. We will Pilgrim on Wrestling, where you have featuring Kevin Arbor Southern Champ, where you have two porn stars discussing pro wrestling at its finest and introducing our wonderful host and my buddy and a funny man. I'm talking about Billy Pilgrim. <laughs> Hey everybody! Uh, I was excited there for a second. I'm like, "Oh, who, this, this sounds great!" And I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, sometimes in life you got to settle. So you know, it's a good life lesson at the beginning yes. of the show. Yes, 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 yes. Another show, another episode. Oh my god, man! I got this is gonna be crazy this week because uh, I have no cable, no internet at this point in time. Which I'll eventually get it. We'll get it back at some point. But I got to put together like covers and all that on my phone. So this is gonna be very interesting. <laughs> well, I can hear you really well. Last week you you sounded a little quieter or you know not as loud as you usually do. Yeah. Uh, so I can hear you just fine. Yeah, because I think because I'm on the data for. Uh, for my phone, because yeah. it's the cricket phone, because the other phone, that, I had to use Wi-Fi for that, because I ain't got unlimited on that yet, but, yes, people have two phones, you, you, you ain't doing business right, you ain't got more than one phone. <laughs> well, I don't have two phones yet, hopefully, hopefully by the spring, I get a business line, you know, but, uh, yeah, it's like yeah. crazy, like, you ain't a real business person if you don't, if you don't have two lines, it's kind of like, you can't. Because 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 you kind of have like the phone that everybody hit and the phone that you only want certain people to hit. Well, yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, I figured also get another iPhone and have two, so that way if I do have to do stuff or whatever, I you know, two is better than one as far as like having to record or shoot something. Yeah, most definitely. So shoot. So how was your week? Um, it was a relatively uneventful. Uh, I have a shoot coming up this coming Saturday with somebody oh. new, and uh, you know we'll see how that we'll see how that goes. But just been you know uh, working on the show, like doing research, uh, and uh, just kind of been reaching out to people, trying to set up shoots. I got uh, I got booked for a few things that I can't quite comment on yet, but I will. Uh, you know, on here the the second I can, but you know the year is slowly starting to take you know shape, and um, so yeah, so I'm excited about some of the stuff that uh that's on deck. So you know, other than that, it's kind of been a relatively 
uneventful, uneventful week? Yeah, me, I, on my end, uh, not too much, just work. Bunch of uh, interviews and and um, episode, a bunch of interviews and and stuff. I had the pleasure of interviewing a young Asian male time by the name of David Lee. That was fun. Um, he does LARPing. So they do like the live, like I guess like 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 you would with Dungeon Dragons, but they they do it yeah. physically. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. You know, period. Yeah. And um it was fun talking to him. And of course, my occasional uh, miscommunication with a lady. Um what have you. Cause it was funny as hell, cause I remember I told you about the last episode with one of the chicks, I guess saw the video that I left her. Didn't say nothing disrespectful, what have you. She hits me back in the DM and wants to play the victim. Like, she didn't say was Like, I wasn't trying to say that I was trying to tell you about your business and and, and I don't feel comfortable no more with you having my interview and I don't want you to put it up. I told her right before I blocked her, I said, you do realize you just got deaf ears. With me not putting it up, I'm going to put up your interview, deal with it. And I said, too, uh, even if it, 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 even if I did unfollow you, think about this for a second. You basically told me that if you if you was not cutting the drop to me, you wouldn't have done the interview. So why would I follow you after you tell me that? That that yeah. makes no sense. You know what I'm saying? That's you, you basically told me to go fuck myself and then you expect me to continue to follow what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, no. <clears throat> it's it's interesting how people play out in social media, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah I don't know. I, I usually, uh, if people jerk me around or annoy me, I usually uh, put them on mute. And if I put them on mute, yeah. then they don't exist. So I just yeah. kind of, you know, so... Uh, and every once in a while, I'll see something like a, just a video clip or something. And I'm like, oh, that's right. We follow each other. I wonder if she's still because sometimes they'll do the sneaky thing and like unfollow you, but like, leave you following them. And I'll go back like, you know, there was a couple of talents that at one time were very much on my most wanted list. I want to work with these uh, women, whatever. And then you you either have conversations with them via DMs or you meet them. And just for one reason or another, kind of fall out of love with the idea and and everything. And you, again, it's not anything egregious, but you don't want to unfollow them. So I just kind of put them on mute because I don't want to. And I just kind of stop reaching out or communicating because, you know, a lot of times if you're not making the effort, people don't, you know, people don't respond. So, you know, it's uh, it's always funny. Real quick sidebar when guys, uh, you know, women will pose the question, you know, what do you do if you have a troubling performing or ladies, how do you feel about this or, you know, whatever. And guys in the comments will always say, well, I could always get hard for you or I would never not get hard for you. And it's like, <laughs> like, yeah, dude, no, first of all, uh, porn, porn sex is different than regular sex. Also it is a job. It's a totally different environment. And believe it or not, they're, like I said, there are several women that are, that are absolutely gorgeous that I would love to. I, technically, I still would work with them. I just either they would have to make the effort or we would be brought together with by a studio. But you kind of just like, yeah, 
I'm not going to try that hard to, you know. So it's just funny when the guys go, oh, you can't. I would always get a heart. Like, yeah, okay. No, you wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> it's just funny how dudes are like, they, they, they love to compare what they do to us. Like, they'll look at us and they'll tell the girl, oh, he ain't, he ain't fucking you right. It's, but then he'll get in it and he'll come and like, five. Yeah. <laughs> Came and get it back up. Well, he go to sleep with his thumb in his mouth. It's like <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny. I actually um, I have a a scene dropping. I'm gonna put out soon. I'm kind of still working on all my stuff. Uh, you know, the podcast is helping me kind of maintain a schedule and keeping me motivated. So I got some, you know, production I got to work on. But I'm one of the first videos I'm gonna drop is a video with me and Lyric Sky, and I posted little mini clips on my Twitter just to kind of. And some dude with the, you know, snide. I get the most snide comments when I post stuff with black girls. But also, he's like, oh, he's not doing it hard enough. He's not laying it in. It's like, motherfucker, it's called rhythm. It's called, you know, like. It's called I'm filming you, son of a bitch. (laughs) But but also, it's like, dude, you're really going to try to critique me, call me out? Like, look who I'm on camera with. Oh, and my other favorite is like, oh, he has money. He's paying her. And I and I find that because it's I know their intent is to be insulting, but here's the problem. One, again, I'm the guy in the video. Two, it is porn. So sometimes people do get paid. What they don't realize is a lot of uh, performers do stuff together and then they co-own it, which makes you more money in the long run. But also like your insult is that I have money. Okay, you know, I know that was the insult, actually, I. Well, you know, uh, I mean, but that, also... That's the equivalent of someone saying, yeah, he trying to be like Puff Daddy. Uh, yeah, Puff Daddy's rich, motherfucker. What you think? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, I work for Ivy Blue in New Jersey. Guess what? She paid me. It's like somebody gets paid. So, you know, it's like uh, conceivably, probably you see me on camera with somebody that I have paid or it's a, or I've been paid or it's a co-thing. It's not really an insult if a male talent pays... A female talent to do a shoot it's you know it's like uh that's basically what the, the very basis of what porn is it's like somebody's getting paid to do something you know it's a form of acting so yeah i just basically the, the purpose of, of 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 getting paid in porn and why they pay is it's called rights i don't have to give you any yeah yeah exactly and that's and also uh, a lot of performers who maybe can't get signed by a studio or don't fit. Like I, there's a lot of uh, companies that I like that'll never use me because I don't fit the thing that the demographic that they're using. And hey, you know what? A lot of people start doing the trade or the share to combat piracy or people not paying for their porn. So now it's a lot easier to make, and you could do what you want. And you, you know, and the the you, you know, like you said, you own the rights forever. So you can, like, you know, you can build a body of work, and let that slowly, you know, you can always re-edit it. You can always kind of put a new spin on it and everything, and constantly re-put it out and everything. And you know, you own that forever. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's just funny that uh, when people kind of talk some act to me, I always find it amusing because it's like, uh, yeah, like I'm gonna care, and I don't respond to to people when they, you know, it's like, dude, again. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's male penal envy. That's what it is. So, which, which, which 
speaking about something, we got this Super Bowl coming up. And um, who you got? Who you got? Well, um, I'm going to, well, since the Bengals, you know, beat my team, I'm going to root for the Rams. But uh, yeah. I honestly don't know. I mean, I'm going to watch the game and I'm going to watch it in the sense of like, I'm going to root for the Rams to win. But, you know, I kind of lost a little bit of interest because the Chiefs just utterly fell apart in, in the game. It was it was embarrassing how, it, like, Patrick Mahomes just got way into his head and uh, stopped taking risks. He, basically, he played safe, and he's a guy that can't play safe. Mm-hmm. And, see, uh, I, I think it was because they were putting pressure on See, people don't realize when, when when you are able to put pressure on the quarterback, and even if you hit him once, he gonna remember that hit. You know, period. And then you talking about Diamond getting sued? Is you know what I'm saying? It, 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 I mean, not Von Miller, but I'm talking about because. When they play against the Bengals, when they play against the Bengals, but it's kind of like to me, I wasn't surprised that the Bengals won because some told me they wanted they wanted who was it Brady and Mahomes too much. It's it was kind of like that of LeBron and Kobe. Yeah, you feel well, me? They they wanted it so much this year. It yeah. I would have been open. I would have been open to a rematch because, unlike last year, this year we were actually healthy moving forward. Like by the time we got to the Super Bowl, they were so banged up that yeah. Mahomes was basically playing on one foot. Plus, like I said, and I will go to my grave saying this: something was up with those refs. So it would have been nice to have it in the neutral territory with both teams healthy, uh, but. You know, what I think happened was, you know, again, Mahomes, you know, he is that team. I mean, it's a good team all around, but he is the heart of that team. There was a play right before the half, and he did – he made a mistake. And, you know, uh, you could tell when they they showed the uh, team walking through the tunnel, you know, to go to the locker room, you could see in his face that something was bothering him, and that's when I got the feeling. I'm like, ah, shit. And sure enough, I think he got in his own head. And also, the Chiefs, it makes for exciting football, but it's not always the best way. They, they actually play better when they're fighting from underneath. Like, you know, they, they like the underdog position, and they were in the lead. And all they needed to do was get one more touchdown and grind the, the Bengals. But, like, if you watch Mahomes, you, like, when he, he, normally when they go after him, he scrambles, and then he at least gets a first down or he'll get the touchdown. He didn't. He was like literally running in the wrong direction. He didn't know where, which way it was up. So, not to take anything away from the Bengals because they are a badass team. And unlike a lot of people, I knew they were a bigger threat than anybody we were going to play in the Super Bowl because they already beat us and they are a good team. But I think that game, the Chiefs, uh, essentially, they lost the game for themselves. Like the the the, the Bengals won, but. It kind of like oh, really you won because the Chiefs beat, you know, basically gave like beat themselves uh, by falling apart so badly. You know, there was still a chance that you know they were going to they had a fifty fifty chance of winning regardless, but uh, and they got a good chance to win the Super Bowl. But the Chiefs just wow, I was so so I can't be mad. 
I can't be mad because both of my teams have won championships. The Bulldogs and the Chiefs in the last three years have won championships, so I can't be mad. But I just wish they would have played a better game, you know, as opposed to playing the way they did. Well, shoot. Well, I know this much. This with the Rams and the Bengals. Um, like I, said, I, I just can't see any scenario where the Bengals will win. It, it it would be like the Rams literally. It's like the Rams literally. Uh, got just too many weapons. And it's just, and they at home because I think what the Super Bowl supposed to be in LA, right? Yeah, yeah. So and I, it's, it's and Stafford and two. I've been said this, and I said this before the playoffs. I said Stafford is do one because he been a beast in Detroit with no help and couldn't win the playoffs. That he finally gets in the playoffs, and he about to finally get him one. I mean, I and there, I think they're gonna spin that narrative of like, oh, he's finally going to get a chance to ring. It's like, again, Stafford's a Georgia Bulldog. I like Stafford. Um, But, and when you're a first round draft pick, you go to the worst team. So you, it's one of two things are going to happen. Either you could turn that team around or help turn the team around, or you got to survive playing on a bad team for your first couple of years in hopes they don't get a bad injury. So you can maybe move to a team where you have a better chance of winning. Stafford chose to stay all these years he took the money and you know, it's not a bad thing to take the money sometimes. So it's like, yes, he, he probably might get a ring. If not this year, maybe in the next couple of years. Uh, Cause you know, he's still got a lot of years left in him, but the narrative of he's finally going to get a chance. I'm like, no, he's finally allowing himself to get the chance. Cause he could have done this years ago. He chose to stay in Detroit. That team, yeah. that team is so bad it makes the Bears look good. And the Bears are the worst-run football team in all of the NFL. I'm like, Detroit just cannot do shit in any way. I mean, even back in the day of Barry Sanders. Well, you know, the thing is, I respect respect Detroit more than I do the Bears because Detroit just, you know, they're, they're trying. They're doing everything they can with the means they have, you know, to, like, uh, the way I see it, uh, people that pull up to the front office of the uh, of the Detroit Lions, you know, next season or in the off season, they're worried about their job. You know, the kid needs braces. They got a mortgage. The wife wants to go on vacation. It's like we got to get a winning team. We got to do something. We got to make an effort because they're worried about their jobs. People at the Bears organization, they're just showing up, dumb, fat, smelling like sausage, like doot 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 doot, because that team makes money regardless. And they don't mm-hmm. give a shit. And it's just like, well, we're in last place. Nobody cares. Boop, 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 boop. And they, they, they'll sell out that stadium every year. And we're going to talk about this when we get to the CM Punk MJF match. But people from Chicago yeah. love being from Chicago. So the Bears can yeah. go 0 and 18 the next five years. And they that stadium. The best. The best. The best. Who would win in a, who would win in a fight, Dicker or God? It's a trick question. Dicker is God. <laughs> no. I just love them skits. I'm sorry. It was a great, was a great skit. It was great. You, you know, the thing about the Bears, and I was a Bears fan for a long time, it's they just, it's they punish people who 
stand by the team and they reward people who just cannot play and they're incompetent. And they're they're like one of the most valuable teams as far as worth in the NFL. They have the money. There's no reason for them to be this bad. And they just don't do anything. Or if they do, they make the dumbest decisions. Like when I hear of a really good player going to the Bears, I'm like, ooh, dude, if I were you. (laughs) I would be on somebody's ass and go, get me the fuck out of here. Because like Robbie Gould, I was pulling for the Niners because Robbie Gould is a great kicker. And I want to see him get a ring because he wasted all those years in Chicago. You know, I mean, yeah, I was because I was so proud of my four nines. We made it to the, we we took out Aaron Rodgers, we took out the Cowboys, we took out, we took, we took out the took, Packers in the snow at home yeah. field. That's impressive. Yeah. Yes, but uh, but I think but it but to me I think the um I walking into that game I didn't think four nine was going to beat them. It just like I said, it just to me, I think then adding to it, you had Kurt Warner movie drop. So I look at little shit like that. You feel what I'm saying? It's kind of yeah, like yeah. there's no fucking way hell the Rams gonna lose. Because if you look at it, the pressure is on Stafford more so than Merrill's. Yeah. Because Stafford, you 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 finally made it here. So it's kind of like, okay, you're gonna seal the deal. You know what I'm okay. saying? With, with, with barrels, it's more of, you know, you actually got here. You... <laughs> yeah. Well, also, you made it <laughs> for real. <laughs> uh, also, playing playing in the playoffs is kind of like doing like like you were talking about different. Uh, there's sex and there's porn sex. Playing football is different than being in the playoffs. Like the Chiefs were in the playoffs every year, and every year they get a little closer, and they got closer because it's like, oh, we've been here before. It's a totally different form of pressure. Yeah. And uh, actually, this brings you reminded me of something, the whole big debate, because the Chiefs play exciting football, but, uh, you know, two overtime games, they're talking, you know, everyone's complaining about the, uh, the overtime rules, and it's like, look, it sucks to lose a competitive game, just if you if you're gonna play about the the overtime rules, just played as a regular quarter. Just fifteen minutes, the fifth yeah. quarter, whoever has the most points at the end of overtime, you win. I like the overtime though. I like it like that. Well because you know, because it one is how can I put this? It makes the team have the instinct because if I score a touchdown, I, I, I end it. You know, if I kick a field goal, okay, they got a chance. Versus the original one was whoever scored first one. Yeah, you feel me? But if yeah. you that means you if, if you flip the coin, then okay, nine out of ten you the one that won because all it because all it was is they could kick a field goal. Yeah. So and the Chiefs yeah. and the Chiefs proved this last past week that winning the coin toss doesn't always mean you're going to win. You know, I yeah. mean, um, yeah. and you know it sucks, but. But if again, you, you, they, they did change the rules, and they're not that old. And if you're going to complain about it, then just make it a regular quarter. You know, it's like just yeah. that's the only other fair way. Any other rule change, somebody's going to it's going to if you make a rule change to you know, again, it's just going to benefit somebody in that situation at that moment, and then somebody's going to have a complaint. If you have to play the whole quarter, like look, motherfucker, they scored two touchdowns, you got a field goal. They win. Go home. 
You know, the Bills yeah. had nothing to be ashamed of in that game. It was probably the best football game I've ever seen. But it's like, dude, mm-hmm. stop. Alan, get the fuck over it. <laughs> like, go on vacation. You've earned it. Come yeah. back next year. Because if you want to talk about a team that's going to be in the Super Bowl probably the next couple of years, it's going to be the Bills. be the Bills. Yeah. And they, they, and they deserve they, it. They, 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 they deserve, as fans, as an organization, as a football team, they deserve a ring. And I respect the fuck out of them, but and I respect the fuck out of the Bills, and I like their fans. But, dude, shut the fuck up. You lost the game. You lost a great game, but you lost the game. Most you know? definitely. Most definitely. So, with that being said, we need to shout out some sponsors real quick. ExciteBunny.com. Go there today. That's right. Go there today. If you're a content creator, 90% profit. They also got healthcare and they help you with legal stuff. So go to excitebunny.com and go ahead and get yourself a profile and start making money today. Magazine.com. We're talking about the hottest ladies from around the world within the pages of that magazine. Get a monthly subscription. It can be paperback or it can be digital. And last but not least, the Facebook of the LS community, lsworld.com. Continue to get your, your freak journey on. All right. Now, with that being said, you know what it's time for, man. Yes, I do. Let's go with it. Welcome, friends, to another exciting edition of Gordon Soli's Poetry Corner. Let's take a break from the battles of the Crimson Mask and the triumphs and tragedies of pro wrestling to take time to appreciate some pros. Today, I present to you the resilient man. The resilient man, the resiliency of man becomes ever increasing as he grows younger in thought. It is a mental age that breaks man and shatters his physical shell. In changing the thoughts, there is youth. In sedentary thinking, there is eventual ruin. Great words to live by. And as always, we would like to thank you for checking in. And stay tuned for more great wrestling action and podcasting. Yeah. Snaps, uh, snaps. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how we segue into what y'all been waiting for the pro wrestling smoke side of this show people that's right where we sit here we talk about the wrestling and we're not just gonna sit here and break down just each wrestling match you know no 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 we're gonna talk about what stuck out for us from each of these wonderful shows so where, where should we start Mr. Pilgrim where should we start where do you well, want to start? Real quick, I want to tell the fans that um, uh, we do have a new Twitter to, comp- to accompany the show at oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Pro yeah. Wrestling Smoke, capital P, capital W, capital uh, S. And we're going to be posting show updates, little audio clips. Uh, we're going to be posting, you know, uh, stuff in wrestling history and everything. So it's going to be an interactive. Uh, hopefully Twitter page once we build up a following uh, it basically officially launches tomorrow I sent out an announcement uh, earlier tonight uh, to get the word out so uh, 
Actually, oh, and funny thing, you need to follow your own Twitter account. Yeah, actually, I know. We, we, <laughs> get get, but, get uh, around to it. But go, go but ahead. Go ahead. I would like to. I Actually, I'm upset with you. Uh, actually, I have a bone to pick with you. Okay, uh, go ahead. I have a grievance because, you know, doing this great, you know, you offered me this great opportunity to do this podcast and it's really become a lot of fun and everything. But, uh, you know, I watched the most recent episode of uh, NXT and, uh, oh my God, it's so bad. Oh oh my God. I told you, welcome to my pain. I I just. I just first of all, you were right about you. You were right about the D'Angelo guy. Holy shit, he's terrible. I hate him, and he looks like I shit. don't see why they so. I sit listen to like wrestling Inc. and wrestling talk, and I love all of them. But I'm like, he's garbage. The character is garbage. Just, I, I, just, just the character. No, I'm not gonna the match. The match. I don't know. I have to do. I have to now. When I think of it, I have to go look up this guy. I grew up around Italians my whole life. Uh, I don't even. I, he's, he's obviously. I, I, he's obviously never grew up around them because the mannerisms and the way they talk. And he's obviously doing that goomba thing. It's like, dude, you're doing it all wrong. It's terrible. But also, just yeah, like you said, just not good all the way around. And it's you know, there's a there's a cadence to uh, there's a cadence. There's a way. Because uh, the Goomba, ironically, is always portrayed as this basically dumb, knuckle-dragging ape. But it, but they have street smarts. They have yeah. a strong sense of common sense. So when you're arguing with them, you know, they just kind of have this quick wit about them. And there's none mm-hmm. of that with him. Like, I've known a lot of guys that kind of do that Italian thing. And this guy does not have it down at all. It, it, it's like they're trying to make him a 1960s gangster in the 2000s. That's what they're trying to do. Because it would mean if 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 I was making D'Angelo, right, Tony Angelo, he would be the son of, he would be the grandson of a form of a mob boss, former mob boss, what have you, if yeah. you want to go that route. You feel me? And he's yeah. using wrestling to restore honor in the name. But yes. don't get it twisted. He'll whack a motherfucker in the ring and need me to get that name. It's it's different. Plus, you can see the greenness. It's like y'all went from having great matches to it's I, I met Green Acres. <laughs> yeah, no, I met Green Acres. Yeah, that, it's just that, that that's the new that's the new line in professional wrestling that from us. We starting that. Hashtag Green Acres. When we see a match that is, you can see is totally green as fuck. Green hashtag Green Acres. It, man. Is, God, it is not where I want to be. And Green Acres is not where I want to be. Where I want to be? No. I can't carry a tune, but we'll get somebody to sing that song, make that song. <laughs> uh, but also, like the lamest kidnapping angle I've ever seen, and I just it was also god awful. Uh, Walter. Has lost all uh, presence. He looks, he literally looks like the saddest German philosopher ever. He looks he, like they a, told him down. Yeah, he looks like a German philosophy student that's getting an F. That's what he looks like. <laughs> um, and uh, and then the I just saw a spectacular form of uh, racism uh, mm. with this. Uh, oh, uh, Wendy Chu is her name. 
uh, she came yeah. out dressed in pajamas and doing this whole. Yeah, what I was yeah. trying to tell you, I say she is the female version of Orange Cassidy. But she yeah. is, uh, she's not. Well, I, I will say this, and again, to be fair, Orange Cassidy uh, is, is when he does actually do some moves, they're crisp, and he knows what he's doing. She is talk about Green Acres, like Jesus yeah. Christ. Uh, and I just saw so many holes in the gimmick and the, her presentation, and I'm like. You got D'Angelo, you got this guy, you got, it's like, you guys really don't understand, like, other cultures. And then there's the other guy, Bola, who's like a Chinese Muda. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to tell you what's crazy, right? Yeah, they had her teamed up with Bola, right? They had her be, like, a hundred-year-old mystic Chinese lady that had her face and shit, like what Boa's doing, right? Yeah. Went from that to her in the onesie. Don't get it twisted. She cute as fuck. I ain't gonna front. She's a fine ass female because I've seen her Instagram. But it's like y'all. Re- it's like they saw Orange Cassidy and said, "You know, so we need what would be the female version of that?" <laughs> I I don't. I mean, it's just it's just the whole the whole thing. The whole I, it's, it's amazing how far it's fallen so quickly. Even um uh. Oh, I'm blanking on her name, damn it. Um, she was the NXT champion up until recently, and she's like a huge female. Uh, Garcia something, I think, or... or um, oh, yeah, uh, you're talking about Raquel Gonzalez. Oh, Gonzalez. My apologies to Gonzalez. And they switched her thing around, and now she kind of looks ridiculous, and they took the edge off of her. It's just yeah. all so bad. No wonder the show is failing now. Yeah. And you'll... Now... now, now. Like they had the match with D'Angelo, which, um, and uh, what my man, uh, Cameron Grimes, which was a good match. Cameron Grimes won. Um, so he's gonna challenge Carmelo Hayes, you know, period. And even with Carmelo Hayes, I was liking him. Now it's kind of like, okay, you now what, what you giving us the amigos if they was wrestling? I'm like, come on, man, <laughs> y'all just it's it's. They're becoming a cliche wrestling promotion. So people can understand what I mean by that is any stereotype you can think of, they got in that motherfucker. Oh, and well, that's the thing. And again, for those who may not know, uh, there was Southern Wrestling, which was like the the birth of pro wrestling and the kind of the, uh, the, 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 the syllabus, if you will. And then, you know, things were a little different in Portland, Texas, California. And in the Northeast, if you've ever lived there or if you have relatives from there, it, and it still is in, in a lot of ways, very ethnocentric. So you had your Puerto Rican champion, Pedro Morales. You had your Italian champion, Bruno San Martino and Etino Rocca. You had mm-hmm. uh, Perez uh, for the Latins as well. You had, you know, uh, uh, Bob Backlund, the Irish and, and so on. And they are just trying, like, again, they're still doing the evil Russian. They're still doing the evil Germans. And da, 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 da. And it's like, mm-hmm. dude, you can you can have a wrestler from a foreign country and he doesn't have to have a gimmick blatantly screaming at every turn, I'm from this country. You can have a Chinese wrestler, just be a Chinese wrestler. You know, that alone yeah. is an interesting thing. But they're, I don't know, the only good thing is that everybody that they could have possibly blamed this on has been fired or asked for their release. So yeah. now the blame, the only justice to all this is the blame goes directly to where it should, which is Bruce Pritchard, 
Mick, Vince McMahon, uh, Johnny Ace, and just the entire head office of WWE. Because you fired everybody who knew what they were doing, and you changed now, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now, the one thing I'm kind of confused on is Chase U. Is he a heel or he's a face? Because I think they got him in a beef with uh, um, Von Wagner, which they got him now with, um, God, what's his damn name? Alan Stone. They got him with Alan Stone. But see, I actually like Chase U. <laughs> it's funny. Them the one motherfucker that outside, I'm talking about the new, the new things. I liked him a lot, especially the fact that I didn't realize that was Harlem Bravado, who is Chase. Yeah, I I saw that gimmick, too, and I'm like, oh, my God, they got him dressed in, like, literally an entire outfit from, like, not even, like, a college outfit, but a college outfit from, like, 1920s. Like, oh, boys, 22 skidoo. And and again, I, I look at his face, and he's just like, I'm getting a paycheck. It's, you know, I... And and uh, Vaughn Wagner, I I call him uh, Gum Gum, like the big head from uh, Night the yeah. Museum. I call him Gum Gum because he looks like the fucking head. Yeah, I even go for it. I was like, he should, he they should make a character that's similar to the Undertaker and put him in it because just the way he looks. It's it's not a slight on him. It's just he looked like a big monster beast. And I looks, mean, to me, to me, like. With his booking, he should have never took a loss. Should have never been a tag team. He should have been beasting up. He should have been Brock Lesnaring motherfuckers because that what he looks like. Yeah, you know, period. You know, because he's not like his dad. His dad was a pretty boy. Yeah, you know. And, and the thing is, uh, you gotta you can't make him a baby face. So you gotta make him a monster heel. And look, I'm making fun of his head, but you know what? I can because I have a big Irish head and I got the big brow. And you know it's 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 for some it's more prominent. Hopefully he's he's still young. So the beauty of having yeah. the big cranium and the big head and everything, you kind of do grow into it as you get older. But you know, again, it's it's so <laughs> spectacularly bad. We could do an entire show on just one episode and have it last three hours and how just everything either doesn't make sense. It's all so bad. And because because even to the point like um, in the women's division. This week, uh, Mandy Rose, who was wrestling? Cobb trying to think who was wrestling. I think uh, Mandy Rose got her butt handed to her by um, Kelly Ray, sitting there with the food. The, of course, the the typical food spot with spaghetti and and oh yeah, I saw that. And, like... You know, which for Mandy Rose, boy, she's gorgeous. But anyway, um. Look, damn it, I'm a man, I'm a porn star. What the fuck do you expect? But anyway, but to me, I to me, I'm curious to see if they're going to put the belt on Kelly Ray or they're gonna keep it on Mandy. I think they're gonna keep it on Mandy. Yeah, keep well they're they're they're, they're the she's the only one they're actually kind of half doing right. And mm-hmm. I mean I get that her gimmick is now she has dark hair, so she's evil. But she, <laughs> yeah. she looks better. She looks better with the dark hair, and and I noticed that she actually somehow managed to get her tan to kind of coincide with the darker look. Because when she first yeah. did it, she looked ridiculous because she was so dark and then dark hair. But she's you know they're making her look 
good. Uh, and and she has her little flunkies. Uh, and uh, yeah, I would keep the belt on her because uh, I just don't really like they decimated the feet. Like I said, they had to take half of that Royal Rumble and bring back old stars. They didn't even like attempt to bring anybody up from NXT. Yeah. Like they decimated their female roster. Because it's it's like to me, even when I look at like NXT UK, I mean, just to make a side side note, you know, their women division is good. Like I can't even complain if I wanted to. <laughs> well, that's it's like how the fuck NXT UK gets it right? Well, because the English one, because <laughs> they're too far away, and they, um, and that's the thing, they're too far away. So unless they just literally start sending, e- which I would not be surprised, if they, unless they start saying, you know, sending edits that, hey, it has to be like this, uh, mm-hmm. they're far enough away that they're kind of immune to it. Um, and whereas, you know, they're in Florida with NXT and, you know, they just, it's a quick flight from Connecticut. And uh, he has, and like I said, Mr. McMahon only has, a certain amount of like flat out flunkies like uh, Johnny Ace and, and Bruce Pritchard. And make no mistake, they are absolute uh, flunkies. It's it's ridiculous. Uh, but yeah, no, it's going to be brutal watching this. And it's it, like, Jesus H. Christ. I was like amazed how bad it was at every turn. It's just because, because even to the point where uh, when I look at the thing about the main event, where it was, uh, of course, Ron Breaker now is partnered up with Tommaso Ciampa. Um, and uh, they went against El Delgado Fantasma. In other words, the, the Mexican cartel. Yeah, yeah, the Mexicans. Of NXT, be a drug cartel. Uh, the drug cartel. <laughs> with the woman, with, with the Madrena. <laughs> and baby girl. And, 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 and and of course, I mean it's. I ain't going for. I'm looking forward to see what Braun Braun Breaker and Phantasma because it, no, all bullshit inside Phantasma. He, he, he's a beast. He's a beast. He's good. Um, but um, is and I like the way they're doing it and they set up. That's the one storyline that I can sit here and see with NXT that I have no issue with and I like. You know because it's like. He's doing what the heel does. No, 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 bro. Even though, yeah, you got the title. So <laughs> my times when I'm ready to play. Yeah, you know, yeah. you know he's and they keeping them away. They do it. It's funny. It's like they're doing a good job with the world title because they don't want to fuck up Braun Breaker. I see that right now. No, they want to wait till they get to the main up. roster to fuck him up. They, man, they're gonna man. He man with no Vaseline mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean, no Vaseline. It's amazing because uh, just because again, it's the level of talent they've that, that's been called up that they just immediately screw up. Uh, you know, like again, I have no faith in their in their uh, booking ability or yeah. you know their uh, their like I said, their answer for anybody who's ethnic of any kind. Like again, every black mm-hmm. person has to be this like just came out of the lounge or just came out yeah. of the club. You know, like like you can't just have like a like a like a Shelton Benjamin, you know, come out and just be like a wrestler. He's got to be all yeah. hipping and hopping and, and doing all this shit and, yeah. and, and doing and just, you know, uh, 
and yeah, it's just, but also just the booking and, and everything else. Like they don't know how to make stars anymore because they stopped wanting to make stars. And the problem is. Because to me, because to me, even with Carmelo Hayes, I love his talk game. You know, and I like Trick, but it's just the way that they running them is kind of like you're, you're, you're purposely trying to push them onto the culture. And you get where I'm coming from. It's, it's yeah. kind of like, no, nah, you know, period. Just like when they be doing these skits now with the romance shit. Have you noticed the romantic? But ever since they did Indian Dexter, right? <laughs> Indian Hartwell and Dexter, right? Now we got little my home. What, what, what the um guy? The, the I can't think of the tag team. One of the tag teams. Uh, Mandy was I think messing with or sat on dude's lap when she got jumped by Kaylee Ray or what have you, and he was sitting there with the heart on that joke. Uh, your man wanting to holler at girl Casey, you know, it's like. I can't even compare it to WWE 80s. I, early I mean, 90s. I can't even... It, it, I don't know what I can compare this shit to. It, it's, well, it I'm also... It just, <laughs> you're not giving the talent any... Like, again, I I would love, the, in, in theory, I'd love the opportunity to maybe be at least a creative uh, like booker for a wrestling promotion. Just like, you know, you have like an actual booker, but like I help with some of the creative. And if I was assigned Carmelo or any of these black athletes, and I was given the director from the office of like, hey, we wanted to be the hip, you know, whatever black, you know, wrestlers or you did a duh, I'd be like, all right, do you want them to be heels or baby faces? Okay, you want them to be heels, fine. I would go to the wrestlers and be like, look, this is what they want. Uh, and basically, I'm a 40 something year old white dude, so you guys need to tell me what's actually go out there and we're going to give you bullet points, go out there and get over as like, you know, just cool black guys or whatever, whatever the hell that they're like, what, what was that crew that they, they literally pushed and then the next day fired everybody. Oh, you're talking about uh hit row. Yeah. Yeah. They, so, they were authentic. See, see what worked for hit row. Ain't going to, what worked for hit row was the fact that one, Top dog can actually rap. But not just uh, uh, Swerve can actually rap. So they were actually playing themselves. This is who they were. You feel what I'm coming from? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 that's what Jim Cornette talking about. It's Hit Row got over because they got themselves over because this is who they were to begin with. Because I know Swerve. I, I I've seen him. Do music. Hey, he just did a bunch of music videos. He's about to drop an album, you know. Period. So, and he basically was no different than Isaiah Scott was no different than Shane Strickland. They just gave yeah. it a different name. They didn't. They didn't completely change his character, you know. Period. So it was like the reason why I think Vince didn't like Hit Row was they wasn't too over the top. They weren't over the top enough for him hip-hop-ish. They were well, just, yeah. they were, it, 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 and see that was, and so when you look at Carmelo, it's like with Trick, they're over, Trick is over the top with it. It's like, you too big, it, it, I, you, 
you you pander too much to the culture with those characters. Uh, other words, that's what I'm and that's the thing. Like, okay, look, this is the direction we want to go in, but like, trust in them to get it over. You know, like they like look, guys, go out there, ham it up a little bit because, but you know, keep it so we can you know, because occasionally we have to, we can make it mean and serious in a minute. You know, when people are too over the top of goofy, and all of a sudden you expect me to take them as killers, it's really hard. Uh, and this is how bad, actually, you just reminded me of something because there's so much bad on that show that it was like, I, I can't process all this. Uh, the, um, the, 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 the feud that they're brewing between Wendy Wu and this like Paris Hilton type character. Now, Wendy has her, <laughs> Wendy has her black credit card. Now, this is how bad the creative has gotten because it stood out to me. Uh, as far as I know. Uh, and I really wouldn't know because I'm poor, but uh, yeah. one company has a black credit card, and that is Amex, and it's a big deal. And you have to make a minimum of a certain amount of money to get that card in general. It doesn't matter how good your credit is. You actually have to have, like, an actual annual income to even, you know, have the conversation to get the card. So everybody knows the black Amex, the black card, or whatever. That's, like, the name brand. They couldn't even be bothered to make up a fake card to kind of resemble, uh, you know, the Amex card. It literally looks like a black debit card from a credit union that they're waving around. And I'm supposed to believe that this rich bitch just lost, oh my God, my black Amex. It's like, motherfuckers, you have all these artists at your disposal. You can't make one fake looking Amex. Oh God. And it's, it was just it's, like, it's, it's, it's authenticity. I mean, the stupidity of a credit card being, here's the best part. Oh no, she's got the credit card. Oh no, she has control of the card until I get back to my phone in the locker room and call the company and tell them to cancel that card and send me a new one. It's the stupidest fucking storyline. I swear it's crazy. So speaking about stupid storylines, let's move on to the big boys, Raw and SmackDown. We we we're gonna cover them in, I guess, in a in, in a totality kind of type way. Cause we now have uh greater picture of what they're going to be doing over there in Saudi Arabia to a certain extent off of this week. Um, we have the Elimination Chamber <clears throat> that has now been decided. And, and Bobby Lashley uh, will have to defend the title against I, I, right now. I ain't got nothing in front of my face of who he's supposed to be doing. I know it's probably Austin Theory who got to win over Kevin Owens. Uh, who else? Seth Rollins who declared himself and I get well Brock Lesnar and who else? Oh AJ Styles, yeah AJ Styles thing, and there's one more person I'm losing my thing. But anyway, I think. But anyway, um, this is my thought, right? <laughs> maybe just just maybe because it's Saudi Arabia, maybe because they just love Brock. Why the fuck you gonna have Brock in this damn match? <laughs> um, <laughs> Why? I I don't. It 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 kind of like you can have Brock run in and beat the shit out of Roman Reigns, right? And then and there you go. Because y'all not trying to do a title for title. I don't think. Because then if you're doing a title for title. That means you're talking about unification. Which, well, which 
that's a conversation which we 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 gonna get to in a second. Because also something that Ronda Rousey said that people skipped over that we don't skip over here on Pilgrim on Wrestling. But anyway, so to me, I didn't understand why he was in it. You know, period. Yeah. I uh I don't know. I mean he uh I, I just you know what the funny thing is you're using logic to explain like why well, they wouldn't do a title for title because they would because 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 the WWE my biggest fear is that for the first time ever people really want to see like universally Roman versus Brock like people actually want to see this match yeah. uh, and they and they actually want Roman to win uh, so that's what you should give them and that should be the very last match on the card. <laughs> But I could see the WWE either trying to shoehorn this into a three-way, which has been done to death, and I, I am sick. I'm sick to death of any three-way any in any company. But also, I could see them doing what they did with the ladies a couple of years ago, mm. where where you know one of them has two of them have belts and one doesn't, and somebody's going to win, and then all they're going to do is just go, well, I choose uh, this brand and just hand the belt back, and that's all there. Because it's like the laziest, most nonsensical, does nothing for nobody booking. Because, again, it's just, I don't know if it's the because, fear. Because the, thing, the thing of it is, is this. In order for Brock to be eliminated, he has to be pinned. So you're going to have the man supposed to challenge Roman and What's coming up? Probably rest at WrestleMania, right? Yeah. Take a loss in the most brutal, one of the most brutal structures that you have. Uh, either, either they're gonna find a way to get him out of that match, or they're going to, like I said, shoehorn it in, uh, shoehorn no, I, it I, into a three-way, or maybe Roman runs in and does. A, that's a, does, what I'm thinking. Does a and, interference, but again, it's like you know what. In that case, that is unnecessary. You do not need to do that. It's the unnecessary yeah. complication. And, 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 and the only way I can see that Roman do that is Roman attacks him before the match. That would make sense. And he down to where he cannot participate. You feel what I'm coming from? Yeah. You know, period. Because that's the only way I can see that happening. Not he got in the fucking cage and he whooped uh, <laughs> his ass. <laughs> Why the other dude supposed to win, like like uh, Bobby Lashley is knocked out. I don't know. I mean, maybe it's because again, it's the Saudis. Maybe they do like maybe they just want Brock, and and the WWE has already proven that they are willing to put up with anything. I don't care if I was if I was a head of the company, and they held people on a plane, and like that whole issue they had a a while back about getting people out of the country. I'd be like, we're never coming back. You can't fucking do that. Mm You out of your fucking mind. And I'm not a fan of Saudi Arabia as a country. Uh, and it drives me nuts that, you know, we pick fights with every country in the world as a country, as Americans, but the one country we should actually be eyeballing and, and you know, threaten the fuck and out look of it is, is the one that we uh, suck the dick of the hardest because of oil, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I, oh. It's, 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 you know what it is? WWE Creative is like that one relative that comes to Thanksgiving, and it's like, you know what? I don't know how he's going to fuck up this day today, this year, yeah. but he's 
going to do something or she's going to do something. And that's WWE creative. It's like, this year it's going to be drunk. This year she's going to be trying to blow his cousin, whatever. It's going to be always something. And, uh, and, and, and once again, when I look at it, Big E, now you can call him Forgotten E. Yeah. Or where is E? Now, who is, is he? Back, who is he? Is now back with Kofi. Comes <laughs> back there. I think they had. I think who they have a match against. Uh, the 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 main roster Elfell Tasmo. Um, God, what they did. Uh, Angel Gaza and um, Humberto Carrillo, and. It's like Big E, ever since he lost that title, he is just, it, it's like, they was like, all right, it was nice you were champ, but yeah, it's like, like on, um, like on Christmas Story, with the, with the Santa was like, you shoot your eye out, kid, and push his, push his head, make him go down the slide, that's how they did him. Yeah, yeah, and, and you, I can... you did with the world champ, yeah, bye. Yeah. I tweeted out this the other day. I said, actually, I think I might have done it after we had a conversation about the show. I, um, I said that uh, why, you know, this is a perfect example of a guy who's been around forever. He's rarely injured. He could be a great champion. He could be a world beater. He knows how to do a lot of everything. And he'd be a great champion, just like Kofi did. But instead, you're just going to just do all this stupidity. Like, if you're a WWE wrestler, why would you try? That's my honest question, you know, mm-hmm. because, look, I, in my career, am, am, you know, looking to push myself as hard as I can to be able to do as m- many different types of porn as possible, as well mm-hmm. as expand myself in other directions, like this podcast and, like, getting into doing research and, you know, kind of mm-hmm. and all this other stuff, because I want to push myself to be better and hit a certain level. In yeah. the if you're a WWE superstar, why would you bother? Because they're just gonna jerk you around or stop you or punish you if you get yourself over. So why not just when you walk to the building? I wouldn't be I wouldn't blame any WWE wrestler for going. Oh, you want me to dress like a unicorn and fart an Easter egg? Fine. Where's my check? But but see, to me, I think this is what it is. I think they didn't have faith in Big E. I don't think it had anything to do with necessarily. It like this. They look at him like. Bam Bam Terry Gordy. That he's a good big dude. He's great in the tag team. But can he lead a roster? Can he be the face of a company in the whole nine? It felt like they made him a transitional champion because they wanted to I think give Bobby more title reigns. I because it, because you you seen it like for example, okay, Rick then had the belt for a year. They're like, you know something, we just need to break it up for a minute. So they so they go get Ron Garm like Ron, you want the belt for a month? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it, but I, honestly, yes, my answer is yes. Biggie Biggie got fucking unicorns and pancakes over, and he made the yeah. company amount of the money. So if this guy could get pancakes. And unicorns and cereal over this. Yes, this guy could be you guys. But here's the thing. 
and this is why pro wrestling became pro wrestling. Uh, and this is why the uh, CM Punk MMA experiment didn't work. You can control things. You can present him. You, if he, you didn't have faith. Well, that was your problem. You didn't pres- You didn't do the work to make him a champion. And he, and you could have had Bobby win the belt back relatively quickly. But you present him by keeping him in the picture, the title picture, and keeping him strong, and always having him be a constant threat. And then maybe he gets into a feud with one of his underlings. You know, like. And then gets back to Bobby. Like, you're not, it's your job to present me like this person is worth tuning in. You know, Drew McIntyre, like, you guys just kind of put the belt on them. And now it's like, oh, we actually have to work now. <laughs> so you yeah. you give them but nothing I, to work with. For it, Drew had a good run, though. He had a damn strong run as a champion. Had to give it to him. But see, they had faith in him. It, to me, because even can remember when he first got the, when he first got WWE, Vince McMahon was like, yeah, this is a future world heavyweight champion. So he already was on Drew. It's just, he didn't get, it just, when Drew left and did what he did on the indie circuit and came back as where he is now, it, it was like, it was inevitable. You can see it. But the thing was, they put the belt on, they, they built him up strong, and I, and I get the pandemic happened and that hurt it. But then yeah. the second he had the belt, it, again, okay, now we got the belt on this person, and now we're not going to try. And also, like I said, with Randy Orton, stop yeah. putting. They did it. To, they did it to Kofi. They did it to. Uh, they did it to Drew. Like, look, keep Randy Orton away from the world title. Give them while you're building up a new world champion, build up a new challenger at the same time. So then, guess what? He has a bunch of return matches with the guy he just beat, and then <gasps> new challenger. A new challenger for Drew McIntyre. So you have a whole new. You, you just yeah. freshened up your entire uh, main event scene. Now you have two guys. No, they basically gave up on him, and then they had him lose the belt and then win it back. But they basically farted in his mouth. And there's nothing wrong with Drew. They fucked it up because they didn't want to make the effort because they got a weird like, well, he's not broke. I'm like, yes, because there's only one of those, and you've already beaten that to death. And one day he's gonna get too old, or he's gonna get over it. And then you're going to be fucked. You know, same thing with Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley looks like he's 25 years old, but in the reality, he's 40 fucking yeah. five. And when you're that muscular and big, one day it, that your body it, just it, changes. It, and one day yeah. he's going to look his age or he's going to get an injury that his body, even though he, he's in better shape than most 18 year olds, is not going to be able to bounce back as well. Or, Or, you know, he's a guy with options. Maybe he's, you know. Another two years, he's like 47. I don't want to be on the road all the time. I don't want to do this. I can see Bobby in movies or doing a TV show. So, you know, I mean, it's just laziness on the WWE's part. And it's maddening because you just it's a waste of resources and time. It, like, Drew, you got the guy sitting there. You just took all the glimmer off him. When the Royal Rumble, I was like, he's not going to win this. He was, he's been booked like a half a retard. He ain't going to win shit this year. Because they haven't, you didn't sell me on the idea you know, and even then, even if he did, would have if he would have won it, it's like you made him look like an idiot for the last like you know uh, sixteen months. What yeah. like okay, you could really get to magically fix everything you you fucked up uh, between now and and April. You know, it's just I it just it bo- it just makes me so angry because it's like such a purposeful lack of reason 
and just common sense and it just it's it's willing ignorance and it just drives me absolutely bananas it just uh, um now now let's uh check out on the woman's side of things so we had ronda rouse made two appearances one being in raw one being on smackdown and the one in raw when she confronted i guess well actually she came out looking I guess grimacing or angry or what have you, which I'm sorry. Rhonda does not pull off pissed or angry very well. <laughs> to me, it's just to me, it's it's kinda like, you know, she she, she I know she can whoop a person's ass, but it's like when she tried to come off look intimidating, it just don't come off well to me. That's just me. So, but um, she had an interaction with Becky. And what I alluded to earlier was she said um, in all intents purposes, her and Becky went back and forth, of course. And of course, she grabs Becky, does a little judo throw, and tells Becky, you know, she's going to give her answer on who she's going to take on SmackDown. You know, period. After that, of course, Becky needs a match for Saudi Arabia. So guess who she'll be going against? Out comes Lita. If, if you listen to this, you probably don't watch it, so you know what it is. Lita going against Becky. On the other end of the spectrum, of course, on SmackDown, um, Ronda comes face-to-face with the queen, Charlotte Fair. And, of course, alert Charlotte Fair that she will be the one that she'll be facing in the main event of WrestleMania. So, thoughts? Uh, Well, you have to have Ronda win the title at WrestleMania. If you're going to book her or make her your female Brock Lesnar, she has to win. Otherwise, why? Unless, again, I know why Ronda did it, big paycheck, but like it makes yeah. it makes no I mean, again, Charlotte can afford to lose, but that's, again, you always got to worry about. And plus, people forget Charlotte beat the living crap out of her ass with a goddamn kingdom stick. So she kind of owes Charlotte. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you said now Becky's wrestling Lita at WrestleMania, and I'm like, well, not, not WrestleMania is going to be in Saudi Arabia. Oh, Saudi Arabia. Sorry. Um, yeah. Again, th- again, this is the WWE. It's like, look, I never thought much of Lita. I think honestly, she was competent enough, and she had a nice moonsault. Mm-hmm. If if she wouldn't, you you were able to turn back the clock twenty years, Lita would not be able to hang with any female wrestler today. She was kind of good in an era where everybody was terrible and even Trish Stratus you know started it off you know basically surpassed her so much in such a short period of time uh I don't think I never did and I never and I don't like the person of the person that is Lita but I like why are you giving her a title shot you got all these women like you know again it's just it's shooting yourself in the foot she shouldn't get a title shot it doesn't well I mean it it, one, it didn't surprise me because one of two things is going to happen. Um, either they were going to give it to her in Saudi Arabia or they're going to give it to her in WrestleMania because she had too much of a good reaction when she came back 
for the Royal Rumble, the Women's well, Royal Rumble. If I were and Becky, you know how they are. It's just like when he brought back Goldberg. <laughs> oh, Goldberg on Goldberg on the fiend. Yeah, yeah, get put the belt. <laughs> I well, I think it's a huge mistake. And if I were Becky Lynch, I would pull whatever creative control I have and go no. No. I mean, if you want to if you want to do a match in Saudi Arabia and a match at WrestleMania, mm-hmm. again, I think it's a waste of a spot that somebody mm-hmm. who works you around should get. Mm-hmm. Becky should go over both times. Like, oh, it's a oh. bad idea to put the belt on Lita because mm-hmm. also one of oh, the nah, actual nah. big stars, you can't, again, Becky, big time Bex, the man, whatever. It's like, what are you doing having your champion, your, one of your biggest stars, male or female, biggest star, being beat by a 40-something, you know, part-timer. But I don't think they're going to have Lita go over on Becky. That, that, now, now, I really believe that, that they ain't that stupid. Now, I know they're stupid, but they ain't that stupid. Because uh, the super fact that, that one money match, the money match down the line, if this, okay, let's look at it. What is the money match over at Raw? Take away, take Lita out. Becky... Beat Bianca. She beat Drew Job. I'm not. I can't see Carmella. I can't see Carmella, nor the Queen um, Selena Vega. So, well, one person. And they already trying to do it. Not live. She beat live. Ain't no way. No. Um. Take it. It's funny as hell. It's like, it, um, uh, this is terrible. I am so fucking terrible. I supposed to be. I know these people. Alexa Bliss. Uh, is she that, still doing the uh, basically the fiend gimmick? Yeah, but see, I think for WrestleMania because you because let's be honest, Alexa is probably the one that if if. That match is probably the outside of Ronda and Charlotte in the women's division. That is a money match. You know, if it was, and I possible. think they're going to that after this because who else? I mean, because I can't see her and Bianca, especially the way that they've been booking Bianca lately, a WrestleMania match. I can't see it. Uh, I, mean- I can't. Well, again, and, and again, poor Bianca, and I did, and again, for a while, I did not like her or her character, and she won me over, because I have a soft spot for people that are like, give me the ball, give me the ball, give me the ball, let me run with it, give me the ball, I'll I'll work 300 and some days a year, and then I'll wrestle a match, and then get on a plane, and, you know, walk a red carpet, and do this and that, and everything, like, give me the John Cena schedule, I'm ready for it, give me, give me, and she, they did, and she was you know, ready to, and they tripped her. Um, what I would do, honestly, and I don't, this is all hypothetical because I don't under, I don't know what her status is. I would try to do some kind of swerve, uh, either at Saudi Arabia, starting at Saudi Arabia, and I, uh, and I would have Bailey, if she was ready to come back, do interfere in the match somehow, and then build up a thing between her and Bex. Cause you, uh-huh. cause you can't go to WrestleMania with the mystery opponent thing. It's not gonna, it's not gonna fly. Uh, but or at least I don't have the storytelling ability to make that work. But I would have Bailey do a run in, and like fuck up both of them, 
and you know kind of re be like hey i'm back and i'm gonna basically pull a pull up lynch and you know you're gonna give me the title shot and everything um and that's about you know that's what i would do that's the only other thing because when um because she was hot as shit uh for a while and then they and then like again like idiots they had one of their biggest stars and one of their best wrestlers and regardless of sex becky uh bailey is one of their best wrestlers period uh go to florida to run the ropes and do practices that's like telling that's like telling serena williams like i need you to take a couple of wax at a ball and warm up you know whatever and she got hurt and you lost one of your biggest stars because you don't have the respect for this athlete that's one of your biggest stars and your biggest money makers. You know, I forgot about that actually. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Why? And again, I wouldn't have done it. I'd be like, no, I'm not running the ropes. And no, I'm not going down here to like, you know, I mean, are you fucking kidding me? You know, and I, I get. You know, you're dealing with a lot of money or, you know, you're you're dealing with a spot that you fought to earn. But sometimes I think these wrestlers really need to like a Becky Lynch. I would be very tight on whatever creative they give her with Lita. Be like, no, no, no. You know, sometimes you got to say no or be, you know, be a little difficult. You know, I learned that the hard way in my career. It's like, you know, there's a time where you go along with things and then you eventually get to a spot where it's like, okay. Now I'm not willing yeah, because, because to me I, I, I get they feet lead to and it's like a nostalgia thing, which 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 is a great segue to the, the next thing that we're gonna talk about with with WWE and try to get and get the AEW in a second. Um is that does it help Becky to me it doesn't help Becky's title run to be yeah. monumental because Okay, you have leader who haven't been in a ring, God knows how long. Now, granted, of course you got Beth Phoenix, what have you, but we talking. But Beth Phoenix been around. Let's be real; she been around. <laughs> you don't think she be in the performance centers? You know, worked out with the girls a little bit here and there and there. First, that a leader. So, and two, you would want good matches. See, and. To me, I don't think that would make a great match between them yeah. two. No, and, and again, Lita has kind of been, you know, overhyped over the decades. Uh, again, you know, she kind of, her look is basically Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy. Uh, she basically used their moveset. And then when she fucked over Matt in real life, she was with Edge. And then she took Edge's gimmick and basically modified it to Edge. And now... Uh, it's a weird, I mean, she, I mean, the gear that she wore in the Royal Rumble, I'm like, okay, so is she fucking a checkers manager now or something? Like, what is with this outfit? Um, you know, she kind of looked absurd and her moveset is not that great. Like I said, she does a moonsault. She does Matt's old, uh, uh, whatever it's called. Like, it's like a reverse neck breaker or something. Um, and that's it. I don't. She's not gonna help Becky at all. It's it's it like this. I can't hold her to the same regard as the girls now because the girls now way just better fucking wrestlers. It's just be honest. It's it's I mean, if you put it yeah, yeah, we gotta do a side note real quick. If you put, let's just say, Jordan Grace back then with Lita and I'm just 
with Lita and um God dang it. See, I'm getting old. <laughs> and Trish Stratus. Trish Stratus. She would have run rings around them because she's a better wrestler. You get where I'm coming from? Yeah. So with Lita, she was she was a good wrestler for of course that era because female wrestling wasn't a thing. It it, it was like it, it, think about it. when they made invented, I think, raw. It, it was like it was a good match, yeah. Compared to the women's matches that we was watching prior, it's like giving a hungry man a cracker. Yeah, <laughs> he's, right. he's gonna be the best cracker ever had. And, and don't get it twisted; it was a good match. I mean, straight up, they they they, they tore the house down, you know. Period. And and like I said, I can think of the roster. Their roster was pretty good. But compared to the roster that WWE has now, man, that's apples and and, and onions. I, you know, and the thing is, whenever they bring back anybody from the past, it never benefits the younger guys. Like, Terry Funk. Terry Funk was the Harvey Keitel of the 90s in the wrestling. Like, he worked everywhere. And he worked with... All the young stars in the in the '90s, from Sabu to 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 uh, Shane Douglas to I mean, you name them, and he worked with everybody. And he went, you know, he did all the WWE and WCW and Smoky Mountain, everything. And he rarely won, but he put everybody over and he made everybody look like a million dollars. And his star got he rose. If anything, then I think the 90s were probably his most, like, one of his best decades of wrestling. And he, you know, would come in and, and it, like I said, build stars. And occasionally he would win, but then he would lose, like, another 50. And then when you bring these legends back and you just put them over like it's nothing to beat these new guys, it's like, well, now you just told me I've been spending my Monday nights watching a bunch of bunch of losers because this 50 year old person (laughs) who's been off for five years came back at the age of 50 and beat one of your top guys in no time flat it's like it's like okay why am i why am i uh and and speaking of no times flat which brings us to the the last thing on this wwe train goldberg is back (laughs) roman reigns is next Oh my God! This is gonna be a painful ass match to watch. I don't even. I. Oh my I I, God! It's gonna be I, like freaking. I, I have to. Um, oh, kind of like uh, when you when you, you know, can't work out for a while, and then you go back to the gym. You got to build up to where you once were. Uh, so I think I've, I don't have a comment this week on the Goldberg rain. Yeah, I just I'm so winded now. Just discussing. I have to like. Build up my tolerance to deal with the WWE if we're going to do this podcast. So I think I've, I think I've reached my limit on anything WWE. So I would say move on to AEW. And uh, I just got to say this. I just got to say this. And then we're going to move on to AEW. A little bit better of a product right now. Oh. And all the people that you're going to feed, Roman. And the match that Roman's had, you're going to feed him Goldberg. Now, and understand, Goldberg going to take the loss. 
it's probably gonna be the easiest night Roman had <laughs> in the past what two years? <laughs> Cause this match is gonna last all six minutes. Yeah. But- Go ahead. No, Goldberg's a clumsy motherfucker. Like, he is not the athlete he likes to pretend he is. You know, like, he thinks he's this mm. tough martial artist and whatever. And physical specimen, obviously great shape for his age. But this dude never really learned how to work. He's he, he's clumsy and stiff as fuck. And he can't really do anything. And they better make the match short because do not give him an opportunity to make a mistake and hurt Roman. Because if you lose Roman, then you are so, so fucked. But Goldberg's another one that I his attitude about the industry that made him rich and famous has improved. But uh, you know he's it, really he's it, just oh it's Goldberg is just oh it's to me I understand that he is one of those they the the part time of that okay everyone likes to see we love we people love Goldberg okay I love Goldberg. But even to me, I don't want to see him and Roman. It's just, it's, I, I can't even explain. It's okay. It's like, put it this way it's like me watching the Midnight Express versus the Monkey Brothers in the main event of Starcade. What the fuck? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, you're right. But also, in defense of the Multis, they were better workers, and I'd rather watch the Multis. I'm than, saying. Uh, and I still don't want to see them motherfuckers. It's, because I know this match is just going to be, it's like, please put this at the beginning. I, I glad Roman said I'm either going to be the main event or the opener. Please put this shit as the opener. Actually, put it on the pre-show. That's what you need to do. Because I, I, it's kind of like that with Undertaker. No, I don't want to see him no more. We, we, we love you, Undertaker. Go away. Retire. Enjoy. Ro- look, Goldberg. No. No, I rather you. I rather him go against Matt Riddle. Get give me him and Matt Riddle. I give I give you that yeah. because yeah. built in animosity is it's a little bit more believable if, if them two had a match. He said it's like with him and Roman. It's like even with the fans, they they was like, yay. Well, yeah, it's it's the same. <laughs> it's the same. <laughs> It's the same thing over and over again. And it's the famous saying, the laws of diminishing returns. You know, it's okay. Like, you know, if uh, if Elvira did a boy on girl porn, like hardcore Elvira in the. okay, so it's like, okay, she's going to do it and everybody's going to buy it. okay, Mm -hmm. of all age groups. And then, okay, we're going to have her do a second one. This time we're going to let her do the wear the Elvira outfit. Okay, huge. And then if she keeps doing it, it eventually people are going to care less and less and less and less because it's been done. And, you know, you brought Goldberg back and yay and, you know, whatever and blah, blah, blah. And he obviously he's always willing to take the check. But, you know, he doesn't have that gift that that we're going to talk about CM Punk has. He doesn't have the gift that Terry Funk just had it coming out of his nose. Some wrestlers mm. have this ability to just give to the younger generation and make and still be strong and be a star and put them over and make and make them a star. Goldberg does not have that ability because his repertoire and the way he's presented, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not applicable. He, uh, you know, and I'm not even bashing Goldberg at this point. It's just, he does not have that star making quality. So 
I to put him in there with anybody of name value is is dumb because he it's you know it doesn't to beat him doesn't do anything for him to win only hurts so yeah. it's I, I don't it's get it. So now with that being said, you know, so you're getting real good at this podcast, right? Because you be coming up with some segues. And it's funny that I'm like, oh damn, he just hit the segue right at the end to help towards AEW because we're talking about old time put over new towns. Let's just go straight into the main event of Dynamite. The match that everybody been wanting to see. We're talking about the match that probably was, I dare say, I I I'll give it five. I'll give it five stars. I will I, give it five stars. I will give that MJF simple. I will give it five stars, even though it was crazy that he lost twice. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and that's why I give it about four stars because it was unnecessarily complicated in that regard. Um, I think it was uh, CM Punk has proven he has star ability. He still got all the magic. And he's been working with guys and, and guys that he's been giving too much to. He's been making everybody look great. And yeah, he uh, he even did the 20 punches in the corner differently in a believable way. He's he really is, you know, the best in the world uh, in, in a regard or, you know, and he's also very giving because technically he did lose twice. So he put MJ over. Uh, in Chicago. That's the other thing. Chicago, we were talking about this uh, at the beginning of the show. I lived there for four and a half years. People from Chicago love being from Chicago. Okay? You can't tell mm-hmm. them different. You can't say anything. It, if it's in Chicago or if it's originated from Chicago, it's the best. There's no argument. And, you know, they have no sense of humor about themselves at all. So for Punk... To be beaten technically twice, uh, even though he and again and he won he lost the right way. Like you know, MJF won by being a heel, and uh, that was very giving. And I was very impressed with CM Punk because to do that in front of the crowd, I, I you know now, it was a really good match. Now I noticed this when it comes to MJF. All right, now I am going to be mad if they do this. Okay. One, if they move on from him and CM Punk like they did him and Cody. I hated that because I wanted to see that few escalate, which I don't think they're going to do that. They'd be really, it'd be the biggest mistake they ever made if they don't yeah. continue with Oh, this. trust me. I think, I think they realized it with him and Cody. But is, that, is he going to do the Jericho where... Okay, I beat you twice. Why do I want to wrestle you? Okay, we're going to do the labors of punk. I will fucking run to Jacksonville and slap the shit out of Tony Khan if he does that. No. no we you, need it different. We need something different with it. No, because. You it. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. You go ahead. Sorry, sorry. No, because to me, you already did that. We don't need to go down that that, that road. Because it has to be something that is different from that. So with that, what I'm about to ask you is this, is what route, if you was booking, you would take with MJF and CM Punk after this loss of CM Punk? 
Well, um, you know, you got the whole losses hometown. And again, MJF cheated. Uh, so I would have Punk go in and cut a promo. And be like, look, you know, focus on your, your hometown. And he had to cheat you to, to beat you. And, you know, go out there and just do your thing. And and I would tell MJF, come out or let him do the promo. And then you come out some point in the show and just get that heat. Just talk about how you beat him and how in his hometown and drive down Chicago and do the whole nine and just let these two guys, you know, work their magic uh, and get to another match. And but and what, would it, what, what, what would be that match, though? Because, see, the question is, because it's like this. I if you're going to do that, if CM Punk has to win the next match, there's no fucking way they had to do those back to back with him. So. No. I and would. So it's going to have to be three matches. Where, where is the pay per view going to happen? When? What is it? Like March or April or? I shit, I can't even take it. I ain't got. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I would basically tell them. I would base because again, with two guys like this, for me as an imaginary booker, it's it's literally give a few bull points and get out of their way, and I would just let them talk. No more, you know, at least until the next pay-per-view, no touchy either one. You already gave one match away on TV. Make them, you know, that pay-per-view. And yes, Punk wins. But MJF is one of your homegrown future superstars. So I would have MJF win the second one or the third one because Punk can afford to lose that pin and not really lose anything. And it would mean the world for MJF. Because MJF would lose at the pay per view, then he goes on. Uh, he would go on TV the next day and deny that he lost and make up excuses. And there was this, that, and now, the other thing. Now, it, now, it's the old school heel trick: never admit defeat. This is what I'm defeat. thinking. And I mean, they you can. Yeah, you can milk this for the remainder of the year, and there's enough moving parts with secondary players like Wardlow. And Darby Allen and Sting and uh, the and even Sean Spears, there's enough going on that you can actually keep this feud going uh, for the entirety of the year with some twist and turn. I would just be very one thing I would say if you can't save it for a pay per view, which they don't have a lot of, which actually I like. I would I would keep them and one on one matches very very sparingly on TV. Uh, trust in them to keep the, the momentum going, but make people pay to see them wrestle. And, you know, same thing with if they were able to get the uh, Briscoes. Like, let the Briscoes and FTR just give them room and give them TV time and, and just watch yeah. the, watch the, uh, the like, a legendary feud unfold. If they had that and the MJF and the Punk, plus whatever Daniel Bryan's doing, you guys have won the year. And, you, and we're rolling in February. Yeah, yeah, we got to get Dan Bryan because it, it 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 was more I wanted to talk about on this on this one. Wait a second, damn, I lost my train of thought. Um, to me, this is what I think is going to end up happening. He lost to Punk. Punk lost twice. Now, Punk did not beat Wardlow. I think in the next month, Wardlow might turn. Because it's it's getting too close to the hint in the whole nine. And how I think it's going to happen is even one or two things. 
he's going to make him have to beat Warlow to get a match with him. Now, and if he come out of his mouth and say, and if you beat Warlow, you can pick the match. I know the match they're going to do. An Iron Man match. Because they ain't had one in a minute. And it's gonna be, it has to be an Iron Man match or it has to be best two out of three falls. It's going to be somewhere it's multi multi-pins. I would like to see, because I was actually in reading, uh, doing research for this week's show, and, uh, you know, a lot of big main events were two out of three falls. And the psychology they did to make that work, there's a, you know, like two out of three fall matches have gotten very lazy in the last 20 some odd years. Um, And I think if you did a two out of three fall match with, you know, uh, Punk and MJF at, the next pay-per-view they could come up with something creative to make it like i don't know what's gonna happen next um and and uh i i think they actually extended the life uh between wardlow and mjf for at least a little longer i would say not have them break up until maybe since you know uh, MJF did not win by honorable means. Maybe but, finally mm-hmm. uh, Warlow's had enough and kind of hits MJF, and that's how Punk wins the second yeah. match. Uh, yeah, because because some telling me that, but not only that, I think I'm thinking in my mind it's the match that him and Warlow and Punk has because it's going to be something to where either because Punk going to beat Warlow this go around. Okay, and, um, and that's the thing. I'm not worried about the two losses to Punk because Punk because they protected him because Punk yeah. lost twice to cheating, so yeah. you know he wasn't beaten fairly. It was, was pretty good cheats too. I got to give it. To yeah, him. and that's how you beat a strong baby face. You fuck him. Yeah, it was like that's how I was watching old school A A A A W A out this bitch. He lifted the arm, the thing fell out. Yeah, you know, the, you, you extended the storyline. You extended the storyline. You protected the baby face because how can you, you know, overcome multiple people? And, you know, it's, it's again, it's simple psychology that, you know, uh, other wrestling companies uh, won't imply, you know, imply. You can protect a baby face by fucking him over because, you know, he lost. You know, because, you know, you had three guys attacking him and there was too many distractions and so on and so forth. So, you know, I think uh, if they do it right, they could stretch out the Wardlow babyface turn a little longer. uh, And I would have him play a pivotal role in the second match and the outcome. And the outcome should be Punk wins. And then in the final match, uh, whoever wins, and again, it should be MJF, especially after that whole Jericho debacle. Uh, MJF should win clean, and then, like, and like I said, because Punk can talk his way out of it, and it would do it would mean all the world to MJF, who is one of the brightest. I mean, I have to say, if I was going to start a wrestling company, he'd be like top three guys that I would immediately grab. Like, there's three, like three dudes. It'd be like, look, dude, name your price, and it's yours, because this guy just is a is an old school heel in a new era body and mm-hmm. you know Yeah, he he got it. I, I can't even front. He he got it. MJF, M- MJF he 
MJF, Brian Danielson, and CM Punk every week on AEW are, are giving you a clinic on what wrestling is supposed to be and how he, and how all the old tricks still work. And you could just have to polish them up and, and put them in the new in the new era, and they all work. And if I were a wrestler that was starting out, I would just watch every little thing that these three guys are doing because they're showing this is all old school shit they're doing. But they're just putting a new spin on it. They're making it appropriate for the day, and fans are eating it up. You know. Uh, oh, and uh, speaking, I'm sorry to get off topic, because all we're going to do is keep praising how great those two guys are. Uh, one one team that has won me over, and now I'm starting to notice that like you need to start giving these guys wins and not making them look like chumps is the acclaimed. Yeah. Because these are guys that you could definitely do something with and could be tag chance, but they you gotta they gotta win some shit and they gotta win, and again win by cheating or just win convincingly, because you know uh, certain see, things. You see, you see, you see. To me, where they messing up is like, for example, why do they have a feud with Sting and Darby? If if Sting and Darby, it, I'm kind of old school like this. If they're a tag team, they feud with tag teams. You get what I'm coming from? Yeah. Because yeah. when you build up your tag team division, you're showing us how deep your tag team division is. And you have storylines with tag I enjoyed seeing that the Rock and Roll Express is beefing with the with the Russians. The Midnight Express is beefing with, you know, whomever they beefing with. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um it it when when you have them going against two single wrestlers where where it's basically that what it is, uh Padawan and 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 Jedi Master. <laughs> yeah, you know, period. It you taking the steam out of them when you got tag teams for them to beef with. You know, period. You got proud. You you got Santana and Ortiz. You have uh, shoot. You can have them beef with. Uh, I'm trying to think of everybody else. Um. Yeah, all your good tag teams is kind of locked up. <laughs> well, it's it's also again, it's about presentation. Like they really I'm, should. I'm at the Dark Order. Dark Order ain't doing shit. You should have had them beat with the Dark Order, Silver and uh and, and Johnny Hungry. I I think uh, they should take away Tony Khan needs to hire like William Regal or some other like old school wrestlers, and you know very smoothly and politely and, and, you know, respectfully take away from the Young Bucks, from Kenny Omega. You need to hire you know, Take away and, and cause you know, the tag division is, it's, it's got a lot of talent, but it's not being presented to me anyway, as this like yeah. cutting edge, you know, uh, tag team division. Um, and I would kind of do things a lot differently, mainly having, like you said, tag teams on there and the ones I'm going to push getting wins and presenting some of my top teams, a team like FTR that can make stars book way stronger, I would try to get the Briscoes. As far as I know, Tony Khan, that could be the big announcement for Wednesday. He's already done, done it. Uh, but you need to kind of, you know, it's not wise to have active, like your active uh, tag team run the tag team division, you know, because uh, you need to, you, things need to be shaken up and you need kind of one voice running the show and it can't be somebody who's on the active roster and you know i don't think any wrestlers could get that uh, you know that much creative control or to run the division that they're in you know i think daniel bryan's a genius but i would not let him book my heavyweight division if he was going to be 
in the heavyweight division. You know, yeah. that's why Bill Watts never allowed his uh, Booker to uh, to wrestle. You know, Church yeah. of State. Yeah, because it's kind of hard to do two things at once. And interesting, you, you brought up that Brian Daniels, the American Dragon, paid off of that. We don't know if Mox has refused yet, but I guess we'll find out soon enough. As he offered Moxley a hand in partnership. And yeah, that was I, brilliant. And, and, and prior to that, the match that Mox had with Jimmy Uta because of what happened with um, Brian, what was his damn name? God, dang, Brian Kendricks. Because, you know, I, I know you heard about that. Um, actually, no, I didn't. I actually was wondering. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Well, let me catch you up to speed with that. It was announced that Mox was going to get Brian Kendricks because we know Brian Kendricks left WWE and he was about to have his first match at AEW. There were some tweets that came out that was uh, some statements that he made where, yeah, he was he was a bad, bad boy. Oh, so, uh, well, how yeah. long ago were these statements? <laughs> I couldn't. I can't even tell you offhand. So they were old, and what were they on? Like race or sex or something? It, it, it was race, uh, Semitic, anti-Semitic. It was he. He was doing a um, the equivalent to a Riker. Right. No, 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 no. Actually, a lighter version of Lars Sullivan. All right. Well, okay. What, what, what Lars Elvin was was saying on his Twitter, you get what yeah. I'm saying? Similar, but a little bit lighter. So they bumped him, and Jimmy Uta took his place. So Jimmy Uta had the match with Moxley, which was a pretty decent match. I love you. And afterwards, of course, that Brian Danielson was in the ring, and he said, "Me and you could run this place." And he started naming off some of the young heads that he would like to probably target to make a click. So Moxley and Brian Davis. I mean, it's a brilliant twist. I didn't, I, I gotta be honest. I, I don't think I would have yeah, thought it of threw it. me, bro. It threw me. But, um, <laughs> I could see it working. It, it, that's the other thing. It could go either way. I could see Moxley saying yes, and it being awesome. And I could see mm. him saying no and like punching Danielson and it would be awesome yeah. too. Uh, one thing I'd like about I mean, he laid it in, Daniel. Yo, Brian laid it in. He was like, We got a cowboy for a champion, a millennial cowboy. I said, Oh, guy, he just he pipe bombing. Guy, well, you know, I mean, I knowing what I know about Adam Page, and I like him as a wrestler. Dad, he's from Virginia, he's a school teacher from Virginia. It's like. You know, and the cowboy shit thing, it's like, uh, all right, I mean, uh, you're leaning a little too heavy into the cowboy thing. Um, and in some parts of this country, being a cowboy really does still stand for something. So it's like, uh, I kind of cringe a little bit, but uh, no, I think it could go either way, whatever way they decide to go. And the one thing I like about AEW that I've grown to like about them and I give them credit for is they seem to get out of the way of the bigger stars and what they're doing. Yeah. And so regardless of what they decide, if they let if they leave Mox and Danielson to their devices, I think it's gonna work either way. I personally would like to see I like the idea of a two man click 
just laying waste to everybody and just kind of being this like now 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 I'm gonna put a pin in that real quick. And we're gonna come back to that and finish up AEW so we can get to old to the old school. I'm sorry, I missed that. What you oh you want to do the old to the old school? No, 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 no. I said I said I want to put a pin in that. I want to get back to it because another thing that I kind of noticed about AEW. Okay, go ahead. Discuss real quick. AEW, I know it's becoming clickish in many ways. Something like that in New Japan. Because, okay, you have the Dark Order, you have the Elite. You have the, the, the inner circle that we're, I guess, now breaking up. Um, something tell me Eddie Kenston and Santana Ortiz, they're about to be a click in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Um, it seemed to me that with that, with with Brian Danielson and Moxley, that click. I'm curious to see if they they're gonna. I think they're gonna become a complete click with at least a couple people in it, because it's just to me it seems like AEW is becoming that. It's like I think they took some of their influence from New Japan in many ways of how they do their shit in many ways, in, in so many ways actually. I had not thought of that, and you're right. But the reason why I didn't think of it is because a lot of these cliques, yes, they exist, but they're ineffectual. Uh, the Dark Order, I'm sorry, is a, is a comedy act, so I'll give them a pass because they're not serious. The Inner Circle and Pinnacle are only cliques when like for two minutes when it serves a purpose of something, you know, like when their FTR comes out to help MJF and it's like, they're, oh, they're the, they're the pinnacle again for like five minutes. Whereas every other time it's just, you know, MJF and his two flunkies. And then there's, you know, FTR and Tully. If you're going to have clicks, then they need to, one, you got to like, yeah, you can really only need two, three at the max. And they have to be constantly intertwined, and they have to be a force. Same thing with the elite. The elite's kind of all over the place. So it's like, you know, you need to kind of, you know, either shove some of these off. Because uh, it doesn't make sense to be, oh, we're a click because we're going to jump somebody. And then for the next three weeks on TV, we're really not going to have anything to do with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is kind of stupid. So. And I think it's a slow evolution in that a lot of people got free reign to do whatever they wanted. And now... And I've seen this happen in a lot of different areas of life. Now things are starting to fall into place. And I think Tony Khan, like I said, you can't you can't, you can't be everybody's friend all the time. Got to start reining people in creatively. Start going, hey, you know, a lot of these people that they were being featured at the beginning of AEW, that everybody was like, what the fuck is this? Or slowly their contracts are running out and they're going away. And, and honestly, I think what happened with Big Swole, you're going to see a lot of sour grapes, ungrateful wrestlers that – we're allowed to collect money and not for nothing. Are gonna bash AEW and Tony Khan because like, oh, they 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 paid me six figures or you know high you know uh, five figures, but they didn't make my library uh, character the world champion or whatever or you know, Marco stunt Marco stunt. It's like I'm sorry, you know, uh, oh, yeah. yeah, you're more of a you're more of an acrobatic act than than anything else, and uh, you know. Look, you got a chance and whatever. I have a feeling like Marco Stunt, this library, I can't remember the guy's name, but he was a librarian and all these other acts. 
Some of them, I think, are gonna. I, I think they're gonna turn around and be ungrateful. Well, see, and, I think Peter. I I think Peter is straight because he's also was a producer, a coach. Um, because I, mean, I think he's because he's the intermediate between them and Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. I know that. I, I'm pretty sure of that. Well, I mean, I don't know who's gonna do it, but I have a feeling we're gonna see at least one person that's quietly the contract runs out. And they're not going to see it as like, well, I sake of argument, I made $100,000 for the last three years. And I had, you know, six months left on my contract. And they just let me, they paid me, even though they didn't use me. I, I was at home and they'll let you take other dates. So I was able to take other dates while getting six figures. And, and they, they could have fired me, and, but they didn't. And like Big Swole, they're not going to realize, like, you know, they kind of did a lot for you. They're going to turn around and be mad because they didn't make the cut. And you're going to get some ungrateful shitheads. And I don't know who it's going to be, but somebody who's quietly quietly going to be let go is going to pull a Big Swole and, like, take take a swing at Tony. And hopefully Tony learned his lesson to not swing back, you know, uh, and just let it go. Sometimes just don't say shit. Speaking about that, I didn't even get to see. I, I saw bits and pieces of the female. Um, I, I guess it was a street fight between that of Mercedes Martinez and Thunder Rosa, and it looked like it was very good because I know Thunder Rosa she gets down, and so the Mercedes Martinez, and um, and then also I saw that Layla Hirsch attacked. Chris Statland is setting up their beef. Um, and she was vicious with the tat, with the knee to the, with the chair to the face. Um, that's one thing I can say about AEW that they do get a good job of setting up their women's division beefs to a certain extent, way better than that of WWE. Um, and they make and they make sure that the the chicks have something to do. Well, then you do something about brandy, but that's a totally story for another day. <laughs> uh, that's that's their that's their Stephanie McMahon. That's their cross to bear until um, until they either fire her or tell her to like, look, you're the chief brand officer. Go to the office, you know. Uh, and she, yeah, she, uh, brandy, brandy, brandy. Um, uh, as far as <laughs> as far as the Thunder Rosa uh, Martinez match. Uh, it basically ended in a disqualification or uh, because uh, Martinez pulled out uh, a lead pipe and cracked her in the head with it. And it, so, 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 so we getting a lights out match coming. I think, well, something like that, because it was also revealed that Martinez is, um, this is a throwback to the old school where Britt Baker put a bounty on Thunder Rose's head. And apparently Martinez was the one that picked it up. And they had a little confrontation because uh, Britt Baker was not thrilled with Martinez's job. And so there's now this intertwining of Martinez, Britt Baker, and... Um, and so, uh, so, 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 so they're going back to the Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa beef. And I think yeah. now they are via the Martinez feud. And if, if, it, if this does happen, whoever wrote this, I give you huge kudos because you ain't it, never it, was so, it was so subtle that it, if you didn't know what to look for uh one of her little flunkies i, I think it was ty conte 
kind of went, what do you mean? What you paid her to hit her? Like, what are you talking about? You know, and kind of was like, are you out of your mind? You paid somebody to like, a, you know, basically cripple another person. So I think that was a very subtle, if I'm right, that was a very subtle planting of a seed of an eventual turn on her part. And see, and see, and see that old school get that Harper's back to Harley Race when he put the bounty on Rick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and they, and they did that bounty. Uh, they did that bounty angle in a lot of different territories um, yeah. because it's again, it's one of those old tropes that still works. Um, and you know, like I saw a lot of good in that match, but also that little uh, afterbirth. Mm-hmm. You know, because now you have a lot of moving parts, and I always am a favor of that if it's done right. Because now you have a bunch of a layering of stories. So mm-hmm. you can kind of, you know, and you can keep a few going for a long time with that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the women's division has improved. It just, again, it, it just feels like the women's division and the tag division are not presented like it's a thing. Like, you got to... Yeah. You got to see the tag division. You can sit there and say they have good tag teams. I like the acclaim. Uh, if I was booking the acclaim, yeah. would get a much harder push, and I would try to get the belts on them as quickly as possible if they're not going to be on FTR. But, mm-hmm. but you know, it's, it's not. I don't feel my. I don't hear myself saying you got to see the tag division. You got to. You got to see the women's division. Yeah. You got to see Britt Baker. You got to see the acclaimed. You mm-hmm. know, you got to see Thunder Rosa. There's like little pieces. Um, so, I mean, and again, it's easier to say this from the sidelines, but, and I'm rooting for AEW, but there's, they have a lot. They need to learn how to balance their TV. I would, I mean, if they're going to keep expanding the roster the way they are, then they need to make Dino, uh, Rampage two hours because it's, mm-hmm. it's not enough TV time for everybody. To, uh, yeah, because, um, because to the point, I did see, uh, I really do like the Kings of the Black Throne. I love them. Um, their match that they had with the their triangle was was good, and of course, Pinson poor Pinson he gets blinded, <laughs> you know. But I'm not even going front. I, I would like to see them as tag champs. Now, the, the King of the Black Throne, I swear they. They need to be in the hunt for the tag titles after this program, straight up. I mean, yeah, I could see it. And Brody King it looked like he, you know, he always looked good in the ring, but he looks like he, uh, you know, really got into some shape, uh, you know, for his AEW debut. Uh, debut. They, they, they um, huh? They knew Japan got it. They don't play. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, the amount, I think the thing that at times is frustrating or they're, or when it's glaring is because the the potential is so so strong with what AEW is doing right now, and there's so yeah. many bright points that it's kind of when you see a weak point, it kind of stands out a little bit more because the bar is being raised by the talent they bring bringing in, and certain talents like the Acclaim, Darby Allen, uh, Sammy Guevara, Britt Baker uh, are are raising or help raising that bar, and they're raising their game and they're answering the call to be stars. That when you see a weak point, you know, it's a little glaring. It's like a very beautiful woman that has, like, said something negative about herself. It's almost, it's like, it's jarring. Like, what are you, what are you kidding me? Like, angels sang when you walked in. You know, like, you had a light behind you, and, it, and there's not even a porch light. It's like, 
you know, you're, what do you mean, you're nuts? So when you see something that's a little weak or does not make sense in the show, it stands out a little harder because, you know, would you see something really great? And like I said, it finally clicked with me in the acclaimed. And I was like, you know, these guys are really good heels and they're really, and I'm like, but I don't, I can't remember the last time they won anything. If anything, they just keep getting their ass. They, they say something smart to somebody. Then the next week they get their ass kicked. And it's like, you need to turn this ship around because you got something there and you need to give these guys some wins. You need them, you know, cheating the win. You need them, you know, moving yeah. up those tag ranks. They need to be biting at the heels of whoever the champ is. And Jungle Boy is a star. I, I'm sorry. I would not keep the belts on the Jurassic Express, mainly because uh, it just, you know, uh, Luchasaurus, in my opinion, can't carry a match. He just, he just can't. It just, I, I, every time I see him, he moves I mean, like I ain't got a problem with Jurassic Express because with them being champs, it's give them some give them some um, people that can really push them. You get what I'm coming from? It's kind of like you're giving me the gun club against Jurassic Express. So once again, you're giving me Green Acres. Yeah, and and that's the thing too. They came (laughs) out of nowhere. That's one of the things that... They just came out of nowhere, and it's like, okay, look, they're second-generation stars. They're going to be huge stars, but are they ready for a program? Which, by the way, guys who are also still, they're not green, but they're not necessarily of the experience depth to make two green guys look good. Like, the, the gun club should be fighting somebody else and building up their name, and the Jurassic Express, if you're going to keep the belts on them, need to have a nemesis right now and a feud where they can shine and look like champs. And I don't know, like I said, uh, I don't know who that team would be. I would have to kind of go back and really think on it, but I mean, maybe they'll pull it off, but it just seems like too many new guys and no one's the vet enough to help, you know, stir that pot, Um, you know, and they grew up in wrestling. Their dad was one of the best. But, you know, you got to be in that ring. It, it takes time to, to you know, know what you're doing. For every hook and every brawn breaker, there's, you know, a thousand that are not. Yeah. So, to me, like I said, to me, of course, the gun club being fed to them to give them contenders to beat. And, and, um... So I already know the gun club is not going to win that match. But it wouldn't surprise me, depending upon who, well, if if the Kings of Black Throne actually comes out winning the feud with Pac and with, with, with the, the Death Triangle, I see them running after, going after them titles. Because I'm sorry, they, the look, them champs, it, it fits. You know, oh, yeah. and 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 you can build around them with Jurassic Park chasing, with the acclaim, with this and third. Because I think, um, because like for example, the Gun Club, they do a lot of shit on YouTube, and it's kind of like, which way I'm looking at it, it's kind of like 
not everybody look at YouTube. So when people sit there and they see when you know what I'm saying, when, when when they see the gun club and they be like, Well, what who the fuck is them? You take into account, you take into a you you take it, you're not taking into account that not everybody's gonna go look at elevation or dark. You're you know correct. You, if you're gonna, that's true. If you're building up somebody or, or giving they matches to somebody, they don't promote it. They don't. Yeah, say you gotta promote it on the main hour. You, you're dark. actually, you, you're very, you're very correct. Um, because, uh, you, you are very correct because also those shows do have a reputation as not being very good because they're taking because you know that's where oh the lesser talent and or inexperienced talent has been relegated to that. So like you might be doing a good job of giving them some matches on dark or, or whatever. We, I don't know. And, and here's the other thing too. <laughs> if you want to promote those shows, show me some highlights. Like I wouldn't know that I, I, I missed it completely, but uh, Joey Janela and uh, Sonny kiss were a tag team. And now I guess they're, they were or are feuding and they had this, you know, ridiculous street fight where they did this, you know, uh, DDT or that DDT pile driver spot and everything, and I didn't know they broke up, and I didn't know they had that match because, but I saw the clip on Twitter because it's on, it's on dark or it's on elevation, and it's like, look, if you're gonna train, if you're gonna leave it there, that's fine, but if you're gonna bring people to the main roster or to the main show, you have to do a, a package to explain because. I didn't even know the gun club was doing matches on those two shows. And I, that's what the show should be for, you know, the YouTube show. You can put out as many a week as you want. You can make them as long as you want. You have like, you know, it's YouTube. So, you know, you can use those to give guys that you want to slowly work into the main picture. You know, again, you development territory, but you like, you, yeah, I, that's an excellent point in that. Give me a promo package because I'm like, other than Dan Housing calling him the ass boys or whatever, it's I don't really know too much about the other than I think they're gonna be future stars and their dad is a legend. See, I think I think once again it goes back to these are people who have never been in the professional wrestling business, never been a professional wrestler running a promotion. Because professional wrestling will take that into account. That wait a second, okay. We got all these shows on YouTube because the only way they you know about the show on YouTube if you happen to pay attention to the ticket at the bottom of the damn screen that tells you yeah. one on one car, but they don't do a complete commercial saying yeah check out Elevation Dark every Tuesday. But and also, it's a storytelling. Like if you're going to tell a story, yeah. it has to make sense. It doesn't, and now it's not always going to be a good story. Stephen King, one of the greatest American writers ever born, has put out some shit books um you know you but it has to make sense you know um and if you're going to tell a story and you and again why am i going to care about the gun club why am i going to care about uh dan Housen? why am i going to care about the acclaimed you know it's like you got to if you want to put them in a certain position you have to present them or you know and give me a little bit of backstory because even you know, and again, I've 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 been doing I've been getting deep into doing research for the show, and I've been watching a lot of stuff, like the like NXT. Oh my god, so bad. Um, you know, uh, 
<laughs> but you know, even I, I, I'm a grown man. I got like a family and I also have a career and I'm doing other stuff. So there are going to be times where I just simply forget or don't have the time to watch a show. It's very important that if you're going to bring, like if you've been making Evil Uno a monster on Dark and Evolution, then you need to show me that package that you guys made him into this like underdog monster world beater. Because all I ever see is, you know, Evil Uno and, you know, and he's going to come out and do the little hand thing and then he's going to do some moves that are impressive for a guy, you know, shaped like him and then he's going to lose. You know, if he's become important, you ha- and you, but you're doing it over here. You gotta, gotta let me know, because I'm watching this show because that is your main show. You know, most definitely. So now, with that being said, we we done with AEW because ain't nothing else I can think of that was on there that I really gave a shit about for so much. But it was a great show um, for certain. So now we got to move into my favorite part. The old to the old school. Yes, indeed. And, and, and this is Black History Month edition. For the next four episodes, we're gonna be giving you some Black History stuff. So go ahead, my bro- go ahead, my brother, and tell them that you take over the segment. All right. <laughs> well, we're gonna start with the you know Black history in pro wrestling has been a very dodgy. Uh, subject because there's been a lot of revisionist history mainly perpetrated by like wwe and you know even you know wcw back in the day uh but you know i kind of started delving because i really wanted to you know honor black history and the uh in in pro wrestling and you know give proper due to the guys that helped you know make the industry what it was um and this week we're going to start at the beginning, um, and uh, with uh, mainly we're going to be talking about this week about probably he could be considered the first black superstar wrestler, the uh, original Black Panther, Jim Mitchell, uh, who started wrestling in the '30s. Uh, but before we get to him, there's. Uh, like I said, technically, he could be considered the first black wrestling superstar. The first black uh, wrestling star was actually uh, a wrestler by the name of Black Sam, whose real name was Vero Small, uh, born in Buford, South Carolina. Uh, he was actually a former slave and uh, first and he was the first African-American to uh, be accepted as a pro wrestler. And he was, uh, you know, a star in New England territory or what was the territory in the 1800s by Mike Horgan. You know, he had a match with Mike Horgan. Obviously he lost, but Horgan was very impressed with uh, Small and uh, took him under his wing and uh, gave him you know, his shot. And, uh, you know, he, he wrestled uh, for a number of years and actually even managed, you know, against white people and even managed to beat a couple of black wrestlers uh, in uh, contests. Uh, unfortunately, not much is known about uh, Black Sam uh, because the last story that I was able to see was he had a match that went to a heated draw with a white wrestler 
there was like a huge argument and uh you know he uh basically you know did the whole thing went home went to bed his opponent went and you know went looking for him because it wasn't over for him and uh reports are that this guy basically broke into sam's uh home and shot him in the back while he was sleeping now now uh uh, fortunately, Sam survived, and the last known uh, mention of uh, Black Sam was in 1892, which would put his career at 18 plus years. So he was the from slave to uh, the first official, as far as any record that I know of, uh, the first black pro wrestler, and re- mainly wrestled in the Northeast. Uh, and there were several other, you know, uh, wrestlers such as uh, this is a very interesting name. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to butcher it. I actually am going to look at the book because uh, because it's because it's it's. Oh, it's oh, oh, hey, hey, why are you doing that? Um, Hyper, Hooper, 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 fuck, f- f- Fulgus. H-U-P-E-R-F-U-L-A-G-A-S. He was the Zulu bull wrestler. And, uh, you know, one of his, uh, you know, one of his biggest things was he, they literally, he would wrestle a bull. And, uh, you know, and that, and then again, not too much has known about, uh, we're just going to call him Zulu because I'm not going to attempt to, you know, uh, I'm not going to attempt to mention that name again, and I apologize. <laughs> if any distant family members to this wrestler, I'm sorry. Uh, it, you know, it's it's a name. Um, and sometimes hey, look, you have to hear a name out loud. Pronunciation right? sometimes is tough. I'm sorry, especially yeah. when it comes to. Uh, but Jim Mitchell, Jim Mitchell was trained by a, re- a white wrestler named uh, Jack Reynolds, and uh, in a uh, Kokomo, Indiana. Uh, his first match was in front of 600 people and uh, 1932 and he de- he defeated Speedy O'Neill in round in a in a in a in the third fall. Uh, in the rematch, uh, 23-year-old Jim Mitchell had defeated uh, a white man in the main event uh, to the joy of the crowd. Uh so it's commonly believed that one of the revisionist history deals is that, and I'm about to tell a story about Jim, um, that Bobo Brazil was the first wrestler to break the racial barrier and wrestle and defeat a white wrestler. And actually, it was Jim Mitchell, one of the very, he was one of many firsts, uh, you know, as far as achieving something as a black wrestler in the wrestling industry. So... But I'm gonna ask you this. I'm gonna ask you this because I know you you read the book and plus your historical knowledge. Why do you think they push the narrative of Bobo Brazil and not say anything about Mr. Mitchell? Well, because it you know it Bobo came in at the time of television. Uh, as we'll get to uh, later in the profile, Jim was there when TV came into the to the play, but he was at the tail end of his career. Uh, Bobro was the young buck coming up and, you know, he was the first, he was the first TV black wrestler, TV star. Uh, but, you know, 
So he gets a lot of attention and also up until recent history, uh, most of the knowledge I am uh, getting for this piece is by John Cosper, who is an historian and a writer. And he wrote a great book about Jim Mitchell and he's written a lot of other great books about other wrestlers, um, several of which I bought today just off of how good this book was. And he also has a website called, uh, uh, oh, Jesus Christ, I, I'm, I'm, I apologize, uh, Eat, Sleep, and Wrestle. And uh, it's a great site. You could actually buy some of his books there. I bought, um, he has one on Wahoo McDaniel, and I believe it's his daughter that helped write the book, and one on the St. Louis Athletics Club, or Louisville Athletic Club. So uh, not a lot was known as time went on. Not uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, Black Panther Jim Mitchell faded from history. It wasn't until a lot of his personal effects were discovered in an attic in Akron, in uh, Toledo, Ohio, in 2002. Uh, and the guy that discovered them uh, also has a last name that I'm not going to attempt to pronounce. Uh, and uh, he knew he had something there. So he started doing research and eventually uh, kind of contacted John Cosper and now a lot of his accomplishments and everything have come back to light. Um, you know, uh, so basically back in this day and in the thirties and forties, what have you wrestlers weren't allowed to be bad guys. They weren't allowed to be heels because the whole purpose of the thing was to antagonize the crowd. And, yeah. there, and people were afraid a black man antagonizing the crowd can be very dangerous and you would think uh, a black wrestler wrestling and beating a white one would also be just as dangerous but ironically uh, one of the stories that really stuck out to me was in uh oh what is it, it was a town in ohio uh i'm sorry it's my first time uh reading from notes uh like again we keep it real uh here and um just how we do yeah, trust me, as time goes on, this will get much smoother, so bear with us. Uh, but mainly the story is that uh, there was a town in Ohio that was basically the epicenter of the Ku Klux Klan. And in front of an all-white crowd, uh, that pretty much every male in that audience was most likely a member of the Klan. Uh, Mitchell came out and wrestled... Uh, Another fellow wrestler, uh, Angelo uh, Martino, and uh, Martino uh, was so hated uh, as a wrestler that when Mitchell, Mitchell was announced and you know coming to the ring, he came out to a huge pop, and the crowd cheered him throughout the entire two out of three fall bout, in which Jim won the deciding fall, and the place went bananas. So. Yeah. Well, now, now, cause, cause, so the listeners know he sent me that book too. I done read it. Well, not all of it, but I got through a lot of it. That part tickled me to fucking death because I can imagine that he's walking out and he knows this is Ku Klux Klan territory. And he's walking out and they cheering him over uh, Italians. I know he's thinking, damn. They hate Italians way worse than they hate black folk. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is it is uh, historically accurate to mention that me being of Irish descent, my great my uh, my grandfather 
growing up in this country until the 50s was not considered white. Uh, had they not changed the census, uh, I would not be considered white. But at that time, Italian people weren't considered white, but they were definitely closer, you know, and, and then, then, than the black man. But it, it came down to that, the power of storytelling and, you know, right versus wrong. And, uh, you know, Jim was the crowd favorite. Uh, another interesting, oh, and I'm sorry, it was Astoria, Ohio. Uh, I figured it was a, I remember uh, the name reminded me of New York, but I was afraid to misspeak. Uh, but it was Astoria, Ohio. And again, he was a, uh, a crowd favorite. And, you know, talk about getting over in a black man in a, in a room full of, uh, you know, cheering, screaming Klansmen. Uh, another interesting story that uh, was his heated rivalry with uh, Angelo was that they had a match where Angelo kept him in a headlock for 45 minutes. He kept him in a headlock for 45 minutes. And every time that Mitchell tried to break free, he would pull the hair or you pull the tights and bring it back down to the ground. So for 45 minutes, they literally worked a headlock and, and uh, it were whipping the crowd into a frenzy. Cause even in this, in this day and age in the thirties, that was a little excessive. You know, there is that old, yeah. there's that old insult to the old school, like, Oh, you just want to work a headlock all the time. Well, these guys actually did it. And yeah. Uh, yeah. At the for, for 40... the duration of the freaking match. <laughs> so in the in the in the uh, in the uh, in the forty five minute mark, uh, you know Jim Mitchell passed out, and you know Angelo dropped him, you know in a very disrespectful fashion, and the crowd literally went batshit and rioted and rushed the ring. Yeah. Now. I would imagine it would it would be a very boring thing to watch, but at the same time, think about the psychology there. To work a headlock for 45 minutes, and then the guy, quote-unquote, passes out from the heat and exhaustion, and that, and literally, the crowd erupts. It wasn't that the match was over. It wasn't that, you know, it was just, you know, they, they built up the resentment of the crowd and managed to whip them into such a frenzy that they literally rioted and rushed the crowd. Yeah. Because and, see back then, because back then they, it was it was real, it was real for them. He, even though, because even with this book, he never hinted to whether it was a work or not. See, yeah. that's what I like about the book is that even with the book, he kept to the kayfabe even with the writing. Yes, and you know Jim was a star immediately, and. uh it went on to wrestle all the big stars of the day, including Wild Red Berry, uh, Wild Bull Curry. Uh, you know, he wrestled in Toronto in 1934. Uh, he toured New England in 1935. He was uh, a big star in Boston uh, between the years of 1936 and 1938. Uh, you know, Danny uh, McShane was a, uh, was one of Jim's greatest rivals. And, uh, and actually a little quick side note, uh, Danny McShane, also one of the early adapters of using a blade to get color, uh, you know, and which, which uh, is proof that blading goes back as far as the uh, 1930s. Uh, he was a huge hit in Boston. Um, 
<laughs> there is a, a famous story from this era in Jim's career in that uh, there was a match where Dempsey was a, Jack Dempsey, the famous boxer, was involved and that Jim was injured in the match and had to be carried away. And, you know, Jim Mitchell's mom was there and wanted to go into the locker room to see him. And Jack Dempsey, uh, being very polite, because, you know, nobody, especially in that era of cafe, was allowed in the uh, in the locker room. And supposedly, uh, <laughs> uh, Jim Mitchell's mom uh, punched uh, uh, Jack Dempsey in the uh, in the gut and doubled him over and uh, famously had said, you know, nobody stopped me for seeing my boy. And, uh, you know, this is kind of more wrestling lore than actual fact, but I kind of, I kind of hope it's a true story because it's, it's a great little story. That is funny as well. You know, don't, don't get between a black mama and her kid, man. No, they they will fuck you up. As a black man, they will, they will fuck you up. (laughs) Another, uh, another, uh, uh, thing that I found interesting was the, myth that Ernie Ladd was the first black heel in wrestling history, where in, in fact another first was for Jim Mitchell was he was a heel for several stints in his career, uh, usually for brief periods of time, but he was uh, technically the first uh, black wrestler to play a heel. Because um, again, it was it was uh, taboo if you were going to have a black wrestler on your roster they had to be a clean-cut baby face because it was you know too much fear of invoking the rage of mostly white audience in the 30s you know i mean like people like ollie anderson and don morocco and uh bulldog maine you know incited the crowd to literally attack and knife them so imagine a cheating black wrestler in 1930s midwest uh, where he was mainly doing a lot of his, uh, you know, a lot of his uh, his touring, you know, that would that would basically be a, a death sentence. Um, in January 6, nineteen thirty nine, he wrestles his first tag match. It was also the first tag match in Fremont, Ohio, uh, which I'm going to go on a limb here and say it probably uh, one of the first tag matches in. Uh, history, actually, probably. Well, in, in, in Ohio, um, and ironically, it was essentially a glorified Texas Hurricane match. Like, all four were in the ring, and it was just a wild uh, Donnybrook and uh, no real, uh, you know, no no real, uh, you know, uh, no real, well, no, uh, rules no, no real, no real uh, ending, I'm sorry, no real ending uh, came of it. Uh, and, uh, despite, uh, oh, and being, despite being, uh, booked against a white man, he was never booked against a white man in his home state of Kentucky. So the one time, the one place he never wrestled another white man was in his, uh, home state, Kentucky. Yeah, it's some interesting shit right there. Yeah. Uh, despite racial lines like uh, whites only and local ordinances, a.k.a. Jim Crow, uh, Jim Mitchell was just one of the boys in the locker room, winning many uh, members of his uh, of the fans and members of the locker room over with his work ethic and his straightforwardness and his honest demeanor. Uh, you know, the boys just saw him 
as one of the just one of the other wrestlers and you know again one white crowds over uh no matter where he uh no matter where he went uh and also and, the other thing that people must understand he was also made a veteran and was drawing money yeah um he he also was a uh with the middleweight i think one of the times he held with the middleweight title um for 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 uh, a county i guess which is funny that they had champions for counties, so that lets you know. Yeah, yeah, actually, yes. Um, they actually mentioned there was a Sandusky title yeah. in Ohio, which which Jim held several times. So, yes, there is, uh, yeah, county titles. Um, uh, Jim, uh, one of my favorite parts of the story is that Jim was always smart. He was a star from the beginning. He was a main eventer. He was an attraction. He was like, uh, I actually, I posted it on the Twitter page. There is a little film of his matches left. And just from the minimal footage, you could see this guy had charisma for days and was athletic even in his later years. Uh, he, uh, you know, he was a star and he made money and he actually saved and put his money to use in the 40s. Uh, he started looking to life outside of wrestling and he did that by buying a restaurant in his new adopted home of Toledo, Ohio, and eventually also opened the hotel. So he was kind of already starting to think in the early 40s. Yeah, uh, about retirement. Yeah. And what uh, to do afterwards. So I'm going to ask you this, Dan. Yes. Because um, which one of the black wrestlers probably at that time that was coming up, like Bobo Brazil? Um, how many of those rappers you think was influenced by him? Because well, I, I think in that era, uh, probably a good deal of them because uh, there, you know, there was a thing, especially I think is it, you know, in the sixties and seventies, you basically had like a black wrestler in your territory, which at times turned other black wrestlers against each other because. Mm-hmm. You can only have either a heel or baby one, really. So if they brought yeah. in another one, that usually meant you were on your way out. And, you know, that meant your job. That means you might have to move across country to get your next wrestling gig. Um, but Bobo Brazil was uh, a contemporary of uh, Jim Mitchell in that they actually toured together and they actually knew each other. Uh, it is actually believed that the famous Coco Bud uh kind of came from Jim Mitchell's cranium cracker uh, headbutt. So I believe out of everybody, Bobo Brazil was uh, very influenced by... Yeah, because uh, sure they had ran across each other because I know he was coming up around the time when he was... Oh, they did. They knew each other. They toured yeah. together. I'm sure they probably even wrestled alongside of each other. Another wrestler who we're going to get to later in the, uh, in the, in the review uh, was Ricky Waldo. And Ricky Waldo had a very interesting wrestling career and also in his own right, broke down a lot of barriers. But Bobo Brazil and Mitchell did actually know each other. And Mitchell, again, keeping with his uh, just in, inseamable, un, un, uncorruptible character, was very gracious to the new guys coming up. Because you always hear the story about maybe the salty old veteran not wanting to give up his spot. And, you know, kind of shitty and mean to, especially, again, 
certain black athletes or whatever, like, oh, this new guy's coming in. There's only one spot for us, and this guy's going to take it. Um, and none of that with Jim Mitchell. This, thankfully, does not have a heartbreaking twist. He realized that wrestling wasn't forever, and he started making investments in his future in the early 40s when he was still young and in his prime and was very ingratiating and helpful and open to black uh, wrestlers coming up. So he helped Bobo Brazil a great deal. He helped uh, Ricky Waldo a great deal. Um, in 1942, World War II happened and Jim was uh, drafted into the army and assigned to the 10th Air Squadron, an all black division based in Florence, South Carolina, where he was uh, an athletic director and like a coach until 1944. Uh, now, in 1944, he went back to wrestling, and I now have uh, some numbers here. He went back into, you know, making money, and I have some numbers. Jim Jim earned $2,143.32, which equates to $30,366.66 in today's money. The average yearly income in 1944 for a white man was uh, $332. I'm sorry, $1,000. Uh, you know, it's uh, $1,332. So Jim, as a black man, uh, you know, uh, made, you know, twice as much as the average uh, person, black or white. But usually, but you know, given that the, the average medium income in 1944, they're probably basing it off a white household. So yeah. he made uh, almost he, as, he, he made some good money. <laughs> yes, and again, he was very wise with his money, which I got to be honest with you, really made me happy because you always hear, um, you always hear, uh, you know, about wrestlers. They start like Gorgeous George, who uh, actually, you know, comes into the picture fairly soon did not have a happy ending and discussing gorgeous George on this. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so in 1945, there was a quote to give you kind of the unpretentious boy scout like personality of Jim. I always give my best, uh, my best. And though the other fellow may break the rules and rough me up a bit, I never resort to dirty tactics to gain a decision. And that was a quote, nineteen forty-five. So that kind of just shows you. Sound like it. Cody Rose to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now we get to the, you know, a high point in his career in nineteen forty-seven. Uh, he made his way to California, which at the time was becoming a really a hotbed of wrestling, and yeah. and, and it was That's one of the hottest. Uh, territories, uh, the the Madison Square Garden of that territory being the Olympic, the famous Olympic Auditorium. His first payday uh, for a match was $60, well above his average take in Boston. Uh, $60 in 1947 would be $750 in today's money. So in his first match, makes $750 bucks. Uh, which is like double the take that, you know, before the war, he was wrestling in New England and now he's heading out to California. And I would say to assume that this was like an opening match. Uh, he received a $275 payday for a world title match. 
and $3,438 in today's money. Nice. So he fought the world's champion and, you know, $275. So that was one payday, especially, you know, in that era. Uh, and to the other thing is, from, from reading the book, what have you, because um, like I said, I, I, did, I, I got through, through it, but not completely through it. It seemed like to me that it was more opportunity for black wrestlers in Cali and on the West Coast than it was on the East Coast or even in the South or anywhere uh, for that matter. Very much so. And also, I believe California territory uh, deserves a lot of credit for bringing in more of that show and glitz of uh, wrestler like with the gorgeous George, um, you know, Freddie Blassie, Dick Byer, the Destroyer. Um, and actually, in uh, the, the 40s, it was, you know, where all the wrestlers, the biggest stars of the day were Jewel Strongbow, Angel, Angelo Savaldi, Gorgeous George, Wild Red Barry. In 1948, Jim made $8,822.50 wrestling in Cali, which equates to $100,263.51 in today's money just from wrestling. So you have a black main event superstar earning over $100,000 wrestling in one state and technically really one city. I don't know exactly how the California... The, the, the yeah, because, because but I, I mean, from the history stuff that I've seen, they really didn't tour like that. They really just stayed right there. They did shows maybe like weekly. Yeah, in, like in California and like with uh, the San Francisco territory, which was a, the Bay Area, which is completely different. You had your, you know, the city. And I think they did a little bit kind of out in the boroughs. But uh, I actually acquired two books on the. Rock Rims is a, a historian and a writer based out of California, and he's uh, I, he's written some books about the the California territory, which I have and will be doing a dive into as we do more of these um, as if we do more of these uh, ode to the old school. Uh, also, one of his uh, most famous opponents in uh, California uh, was J Lord James Blears. Those of you who are big fans of Six Hundred Five, that. Uh, Tally Ho uh, is Lord James Blears. He was uh, a very successful heel in California in the 40s and one of uh, Jim Mitchell's biggest rivals. Um, in uh, August 24th, 1949, uh, Jim Mitchell faced Gorgeous George with, with 9,700 in an Olympic auditorium and a now famous match. Uh, a riot broke out. And uh, basically, it didn't stop until like 4 a.m. Gorgeous George was a groundbreaking that was, heel. That was heat. That was yeah. true. <laughs> and uh, so much heat actually uh, was generated from this match that uh, a lawsuit was filed against the promoter and the matchmaker. And George and uh, Mitchell were both, both named in the lawsuit. And uh, unfortunately, for uh, Gorgeous George was like one of the biggest stars, if not the biggest star of the day. So he kind of managed to escape relatively unscathed. Uh, a lot of blame was put on the wrestlers. Uh, you know, shit rolls downhill. So Mitch Mitchell had to kind of, you know, leave town for a few months. So he went off and wrestled in the Northeast. And, uh, you know, 
it didn't, you know, the paydays weren't as good as out east as they were in California. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, they received two hundred forty dollars for that match, uh, two thousand eight hundred and eleven dollars in today's money. So you know, he got a payday for that match, but he had to leave town. Uh, he basically was away for a few months, and he went back and finished out the year nineteen forty nine in California. Uh, then he, you know, in 1950, started wrestling another, uh, what would become one of his most famous rivals was, uh, and not the comic book guy, uh, golden Superman, Stan Lee, who at the time was a famous bodybuilder and wrestler. Uh, and he, you know, was, uh, you know, a much heated rival for, for Jim, uh, and this is also around the era where TV comes in, which is where, you know, Bobo Brazil uh, later would become, you know, a big star. Initially, though, TV was a hindrance because in the beginning of television, they didn't know what they were doing. And wrestling was easy to produce and easy to put on the air. So there was a lot of actual pro wrestling on TV in the beginning of, of television. And it caused arena attendance to plummet, and which affected the wrestlers' payday. Because back then there were no guarantee contracts. Your you was everything was based on the drawing power of your name and your position on the card. Jim, as a black man in the fifties and the forties and the thirties, got the paydays he got because you know the crowd got behind him. He performed. He was reliable, and he had just amazing performance. Pack houses and sold out yeah. houses. Yeah, so he basically he was green, and that's you know. But uh, the wrestlers, uh, the wrestlers were upset by this, and they were not going to tolerate it. So uh, several times, uh, the wrestlers actually, uh, you know, joined together in a rare moment of solidarity and actually uh, basically walked out if, uh, you know, if wrestling wasn't, you know, taken off TV, which as we know, was not going to happen. So they managed to, or at least they said they were going to uh, let the wrestlers, uh, they were to keep it to like these two days they were going to film wrestling. And if they came in and saw camera set up, they basically would all kind of congregate and agree and they all would walk out. And uh, eventually it all kind of even out, but as far as like TV and wrestling, but for the time, and this was an interesting fact, you never hear anybody talk about it. The wrestlers were against wrestling being on TV because, you know, why go to the Olympic auditorium and, you know, spend money watch, you just... watch it at home. And back then the TVs were ridiculously expensive. So if you just bought a TV, it's like, well, I'm going to, use a damn thing there's only like three hours of there's, there's literally three channels if there were that and there's like five hours of programming so it's like i'm using this thing um and uh so that was uh you know that was a big deal um an interesting prelude to at least i think of uh of close circuit was uh, a match between Jim Mitchell and Golden, the Golden Superman, Stan Lee, was actually advertised, uh, you know, in for a movie. So, like, in, in like, big, you know, not just some B-movie, like a movie starring Mickey Rooney, where you go and you see the, 
two movies, and then and, you know, at some point they actually would show the match, and they would put it on the advertisement poster, you know, like you know, at playing at the theater. So he was such a star that they would advertise his match against his rivalry of Stan Lee, uh, you know, at movie theaters, and it was an attraction. It was like you know, set of cartoons. We're going to have this match, and it was just that match. It wasn't the whole card. It was Jim Mitchell versus the golden superman and they put it on the billing i'm gonna i'm gonna take a picture or i'm gonna see if i can't find a a picture of the um of the movie poster and i'm gonna put it on the twitter page uh and basically in 1955 he's been wrestling now for like 25 years his career is slowly dwindling and this is where uh ricky waldo comes in and they become a black tag team and uh, I don't want to say they were the first uh, black tag team because uh, obviously they weren't, but they were definitely, I think, one of the first star tag teams. Uh, and this helped extend uh, Mitchell's career another few years because they would tour as a tag team. And this is also where uh, young star Bobo Brazil comes in. And he kind of sits on the learning tree of uh, him and Waldo sit under the learning tree of Mitchell, who, as always, was uh, a graceful uh, mentor and wrestler and basically the bright spot of any locker room, black or white, that he was ever in. Um, And like I said, this is where we feel this is around the time where they believe that, you know, he saw Mitchell do the cranium crack and adapted it. And that's where his cocoa butt came from. His famous cocoa butt that would, yeah. you know, rocket him to start. Because usually, usually, especially if he had learned under him, this probably a move that he actually learned from him. Yeah. You know, period. Yeah. So, it, it's, it, you, you know, to, so that makes very much sense. Uh, him and Waldo were kind of uh, promoted as the Negro Tag Team Champions. They toured all across the country, mm-hmm. uh, including Arizona and New Mexico. Um. Now, we're getting to the end of this was like his last run uh, in in wrestling. Uh, a quick sidebar into Ricky Waldo after, you know, Mitch Mitchell retired and returned to Toledo. Uh, whereas Waldo, uh, you know, again, opportunity for black wrestlers were limited. So he actually a blazed trail of his own. He went to uh, Australia, which, you know. Uh, him and uh, and Mitchell wrestled uh, as a tag team and as individuals. Uh, wrestling was very huge in Australia, uh, and uh, he was instantly also a star there. Uh, the footage I put a little clip of a match from uh, with Mitchell from Florida, uh, not Florida, Australia, and it's on our Twitter page. And you can also find the clip on uh, Eat, Sleep, and Wrestle. But uh, Waldo wrestled, he toured the world. He wrestled in Australia, New Zealand, India, Malaysia, Singapore as a single wrestler. In 1960, uh, he approached uh, another famous uh, star that was made in California around this time, speaking of the diversity that was happening in the Hollywood, California wrestling scene, Ricky Dozan, the man who brought wrestling to Japan, who we will also... We will also do a profile on him in yes. down the road. Uh, huge story, so it can't. It's gonna have to like. Just, and if I'm correct, even a more tragic ending. 
Yes, a very tragic ending. And uh, he was uh, the first Japanese superstar. He brought wrestling to Japan, uh, I believe in the 50s, and started his own company and essentially took what Americans did uh, for decades and just switched around where he was a Japanese hero. And they would bring in Luthez, the Sharp Brothers, uh, uh, Freddie Blassie, Dick Byer Destroyer as these big, evil American heels. Now, remember... World War II was only about 10 years uh, in the past. So everything was kind of still fresh. So Ricky Dozan became, you know, whereas uh, Dusty Rhodes would fight the evil Russians, he became yeah, a Japanese superstar. Japanese story, yeah. And uh, more incredible uh, was that he wasn't even Japanese. He was Korean, which uh, it was kind of kept a little bit of a secret because of various tensions between you know, China, Korea, other Asian countries don't really care for each other. Uh, So he approached Ricky Dozan, Ricky Waldo approached Ricky Dozan in 1960, uh, basically asking him for some work, trying to get back to the U.S., uh, didn't have much money on him. And Ricky used him, it's like, yes, I'll use you for a few months, you know, because we know each other from the California days. And that uh, few months wound up turning into three years in Japan. Uh, Waldo became a huge star and formed a tag team with another black wrestler, Luther Lindsay. And they went as far as to even beat Ricky Dozan and a partner for the uh, Asian tag team titles, which they did not held, hold very long. But, you know, a Japanese country, Japanese owned company, two black wrestlers win the titles and to beat, and, and not only that, but defeat the Japanese equivalent of Hulk Hogan at the time. Uh, that's just a sign of their popularity. And uh, Luther, Lindsay, and Waldo were a very uh, famous and popular tag team. And also, uh, Waldo went on to wrestle and become a star in Great Britain and eventually made his way to Calgary with what famous family? The Hearts. That's right, yes. And uh, he became a star in Calgary as well as in Britain. And I believe Luther and him also did some tagging in Britain as well. Still pushing back those racial lines. Uh, unfortunately, that is the last. No one really knows what happened to Ricky Waldo, good or bad. Some say he settled down in Calgary. Some say he returned home to his home state. Uh, it just he was, you know, he was uh, one of the biggest stars. He, and again, as far as doing the overseas and in wrestling in these countries and becoming a huge star in Japan, I believe. And again, I have to kind of go back and double check, but he, you know, from the dates, I don't know if Boba Brazil made it to Japan by that point. I have to see because he became a big, a big star for all Japan uh, in the seventies. But, uh, and I know Freddie Blassie and, and Luthez and, and the Sharp brothers and Dick Byer were early Gaijin superstars for for uh, Ricky Dozan's company. He might be. Well, I'll have it for you next week. Uh, but I mean, because you know we're going to do this because because actually we got to wrap this up, bro. Because we've been going for almost three hours. Okay, well we're at the end. We're at the end. And like I said, uh, this story has a happy ending because uh, after Waldo went off to travel the world and become a star in his own right, uh, Jim Mitchell. Uh, quietly retired back in Toledo, Ohio, where he had uh, a successful restaurant, a hotel, some investments with his second wife, 
and his stepchildren and lived a happy public life, occasionally coming out of retirement for a few matches here and there. But basically, there was no, no tragedy of being fucked out of his money, no uh, falling on hard times, drugs, alcohol. He just, you know, his time was up. He had taken care of his future. So he uh, stayed a local hero for all through the 70s. He lost his restaurant. It was sold out from under the building in 1982. But he essentially stayed married to his wife, his second wife, um, till the day they died. Uh, and he unfortunately passed. She died, I believe, in uh, 1993, 92. And he finally passed in a, in a retirement home in 1996 in his 80s. Uh, yeah, he, and- he lived good, man. Yeah, and, you know, he was probably the most influential uh, black wrestler pioneer as far as stardom. Yeah, I'm going to ask you this so we can put a bow on this. Why do you think he got lost to history? Because uh, at one point in wrestling, it was easier to get into the mob than it was to get into wrestling. It was very kayfabe, very secretive. And so for years... Until basically Vince McMahon, kayfabe was strong. So, unfortunately, a lot of the old timers did not tell these stories to reporters or anybody else. A lot of people, black, white, Asian, whatever, did not, you know, save material, didn't save memorabilia, didn't save their money, didn't plan for their future. And, you know, again, fell on hard times. A lot of that stuff, you know, just papers and whatnot got lost to history. And when, you know, TV, you know, in the seventies, it became very territorial. You didn't know one one state didn't know what the other state was doing, and then you had cable television. And right at the beginning of cable television, the WWE, and they, you know, in my opinion, have become a blight on wrestling and wrestling history. And it's just it's a myriad of things. It was the secrecy of the whole thing. It was people not realizing, you know, this stuff one day could be worth something, or preserving the history of, you know. Of, of what wrestling was like now wrestling historianism is still relatively new as far as, you know, really, you know, as a, as a wide ranging thing. So we have a lot of great historians like John Cosper and uh, unfortunately I'm, I'm blanking on everybody's name, but I will be giving them credit, but people like rock rims and uh, you know, who do the research and know and, and, and dig up this history. Uh, it, but yeah, everybody like, their stories of wrestlers keeping the business so tight that like when they do a massive injury angle, you know, they would play it to their families. Like their stories of wrestlers, uh, their kids not talking to them anymore when they find out it was a work. And it's like, I thought you were paralyzed. I thought you almost died. And you tell me it was all, and you didn't tell me, you know, like a trauma of like your dad being beaten near death on television and being carted off and disappearing for six months, you know, and being bedridden. Uh, you know, they a lot of the children when they realized it was all at work got very mad and very embittered and and you know kind of held it against them. So I think the secrecy kind of undid them. And then uh, you know, again, the same reason why people never saved their baseball cards or their comic books. Never nobody ever thought that it would become as big as it would or that people would care, you know, 30 years, 40 years in the future. But you know, thanks to wrestling historians and this book and you know. And this stuff being found in an attic in Toledo, and now we know, and the uh, we now we can appreciate and and thank 
uh, Jim Mitchell for the contributions to pro wrestling, but also opening the door in so many different ways for every black wrestler there's ever been since him. Yeah, most definitely. So with that being said, people, yeah, we, 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 we give you some good, we give good shows, man. This is a good ass show, bro. This was a good ass show. This was moved way smoother than the first one. Yeah. And, and again, we're still learning, um, you know, again, doing the research was really fun. We're going to, we're going to cover Bearcat right next next week the first oh, black yeah. world heavyweight champion um yeah. and again i uh thank you guys for bearing with us because you know reading from notes and and uh you know making sure i got all the dates and everything and being smooth about it it's gonna take time and practice but uh it was really it's really i mean we we had to have a discussion about how we're gonna pr- approach this because reading just this book and doing some of the research i did this week you know the black wrestlers don't get as much there's so much history that we could probably do this for like three months and still really never get to everybody like they really have you know it's a lot of history and it's and it's really um port um excuse me um port Port chop (laughs) good night port chop cash oh Um, yeah yeah oh pork chop so many of it's just so many man it's just so many of so shoot but anyway tell everybody where they can spend money on you my brother well uh i am like i said i've kind of got stuff under construction i kind of got i i i will admit i felt i got i got really excited about uh this this black history uh thing we're doing so i kind of laxed on the porn thing this week uh i'm going to be setting up you know, various sites coming up, uh, but you can go see my stuff on X videos at Billy Pilgrim, Triple X, or my very first channel, Real Raw Amateurs on X videos. If you do watch the scenes or if you have the uh, the X videos read, I get some of that. Um, you know, I uh, and I'm on like a couple other of these type sites that give residuals or people view. Uh, I do promise uh, I like. Uh, fan centro and many vids and whatnot is coming uh, i'm just now learning to schedule working on the podcast and doing all this other stuff in you know in timely fashion so it is it is coming uh i'll be i'll be uh giving you many ways to send me money very very shortly because i need money oh and you can also go check out our new twitter uh pro wrestling smoke um on twitter give a follow and and you know and and uh and come check out the uh timeline Street is now online, baby. That's right. Visit the GW District. 
Shop the very best in men's and women's apparel and accessories, home decor, office supplies, books, pantry items, and so much more. The GW District is a retail marketplace of black-owned products and media. We're both veteran and black-owned, and we're bringing you the best online shopping experience with products made by small businesses. Come and experience the GW District difference today at shopgwdistrict.com. That's shopgwdistrict.com. The GW District, a retail marketplace of black-owned products and media. That's right. That's right.